That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast. And we help people stay sober. We talk about drugs, alcohol, recovery, health and wellness, fitness, other random shit. We also sing sometimes because this is one of my jams right here. I can never get the words right, though. But big love to the homie Robbie and humans. Check out their music. Uh, We have some fun in the process, too, because what is recovery without fun? And uh, today we're talking to my buddy Noel Min. Noel's a retired Marine Corps veteran. He served from 98 to 2019, uh, both in Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, he started CrossFit in 2009, became a coach in 2010. He's coached all over the country. He's currently coaching here at the home at our home gym in Vacaville, uh, Vacaville CrossFit North. I believe uh, the at the compound is the new name, right, Noel? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yep, that's yep. right. It's so actually, uh, it's actually the uh, we're just keeping the old compound part of it, but keeping yeah. the old part. Yeah. Okay, all right, yeah. So, well, if if I haven't uh, mentioned it, I guess we're we're recording today at the gym. We just had a good workout, good times always. Uh, we're gonna get to Noel in just a minute. We're gonna talk about how he ate the heart out of a, the beating heart out of a snake at some point too. So make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. It's gonna be some great convo today. Uh, but before we get to him, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, you can also connect with us on Instagram at Real That Sober Guy and on Twitter at Shane Raymer. I still have no fucking clue how to use Twitter, so Instagram is definitely the better spot. Always try to get back to everybody. Now, finding the right treatment for addiction and mental health illness can be tough. That's why Sober Guys continue to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. Foundation stays true to their mission. They hold high ethical standards uh, while providing treatment in a nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. Uh, Foundations has built the industry's leading research and outcomes program, uh, and they fulfill each commitment to patients, and most importantly, in addition to the patients, their loved ones as well. Family is always a big part of recovery, and we always got to make sure that we, uh, we're not forgetting that. Uh, so to learn more, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash soberguy. That's foundationshelp.com slash soberguy, uh, or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. You can talk with an admissions coordinator about your treatment options. They can answer any questions for you, and you can get some help there. So thanks to Foundations again for those guys. I think we're going to be out at Moments of Change in Florida also coming up in September. Uh, another uh, another live conference. So we'll be doing a bunch of good podcasts and uh, connecting with a bunch of good people out there. So we're looking forward to that. I think you can go to foundationsevents.com if you want to look at uh, how you can get tickets to that event or uh, more information. Noel, man, what's up, man? My 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 best favorite new buddy and coach in CrossFit, man, kicking my ass, keeping me accountable. <laughs> I appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing really good, man. I'm doing really good. You did awesome today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. It's one of those days where like I was really sore yesterday and then today I came in and I felt a little better because I got to partake in the um, Mobility 101. Is that a new class? Yeah, yeah. Here? We just started it. Uh, something that we wanted to implement throughout the week just so we could get athletes uh, catching post-work workout yeah because uh, as, as everybody knows we, we get stronger in our recovery yeah totally. and, and not in the workout the workout actually you know breaks us down and thrashes us and it's our ability to adapt and recover from that that's yeah. where we get stronger yeah that's i'm gonna move that mic over to you just okay. you can or you can move it or there you there, go, there we go. Okay. yeah you're kind of bouncing off but right. yeah i know that's a that's something that i'm starting to learn a little bit more too i always thought well, i need to go like kick my ass and like i had no clue what i was doing i played baseball forever, <laughs> man so like i never really got into 
Like I had a lot of buddies who wrestled and they played football. So there was a lot of weightlifting. I never yeah. wrestled. I never played football. It was a lot of more agility stuff and um, a lot of running baseball yeah. shit. Never yeah. lifted. So all this, the, the weightlifting stuff is still a challenge for me, man. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it all, well, you know, came around uh, being able to be conditioned for a sport specific uh, modality like like baseball, you mm-hmm. know, where, where running is clutch and, and we start incorporating, you know, weightlifting and you know, the only problem is, is there's, you know, the gift of youth doesn't, uh, we, we don't, we don't <laughs> realize know. how much stretching and, and range of motion that we, that we need to, to do these things until yeah. it starts adding up. And, and then later on in life, we realize that trying to reach overhead to grab something and like, Oh, Dude. I can't do this. What, yeah. What's going on? I know it's weird, man. And like, uh, I don't feel like I just turned 38. I don't feel like I'm 38. Oh no. You know what yeah, I, mean? yeah. I still like, am trying to feel like I'm feel like I'm 25 and act, but it just doesn't work like that. Oh no, it doesn't. Man. It doesn't. The mind, mind's got that, my, that game that's fresh, but the body's just having a little yeah. bit of trouble trying to connect the dots yeah. when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. So you, so you're not from California, right? Originally. No, you're from no. the East coast. Yes. Yes. Okay. Actually from the South born and raised in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Yep. Nice. Yeah. I've never been to Alabama. I got a buddy, my buddy, Mark Daniels. He's actually supposed to be coming on the podcast soon. He's a, a professional fisherman and he moved from, he's on like, he's on the bass tour. One of those tours, yeah, he yeah. moved from Cali and he lives in Alabama now and he's just slanging fish all day. Just doing what he loves. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. Totally do, doing, doing what he loves. What he loves. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. That is and awesome. I hear it's hot out there though in Alabama. It, you so know where I, where I was at, uh, it was, I was in Huntsville. It's north of the Tennessee river, which is about two hours south of Nashville. We, we sit right there in the Tennessee Valley. So mm. It gets hot, and then when all the pollen and spring happens, it just settles right down into that Tennessee Valley area, yeah. and it's just miserable. So you go to miserable. high school out there? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I went through uh, you know every every stage of, of school in there, short of uh, a little bit of time uh, in high school, where I think I did like half a year in uh, Northern Illinois with my where my mom lived. So nice yeah. sports, anything? Would you do um, you know, wrestling? I, I, I basketball? Played, yeah, baseball? I played intramural basketball when I was a little kid. Then I did I wrestled for a year in middle school. Um, I did I did some martial arts but uh, nothing really to the extent of where I could, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting thrashed, like I'm getting thrashed in the gym today. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you get yeah. beat up today or what? That was uh, the first time I got to work out with you, by the way. I mean, not, not with you, but you know what yeah. I'm saying? In like that class setting, which yeah. was cool. Yeah. You were killing it. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, it definitely was killing me. How about that? <laughs> it definitely was killing me. I was like, yeah. man, is this what it feels like in this gym when you work out? Man, it's like 100 degrees in here. It's hot. Huh? Yeah. So a yeah. little bit different on the end of, um, of working out versus coaching for you. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, it gives me a chance to kind of like, you know, work on what I need to work on when it comes to, especially when it comes to being part of a class setting, it's always fun. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's where we talk about that community aspect of, of what CrossFit's all about. And just being able to like, you know, misery loves company. And yeah. if you're, if you're, you know, at the grind and, and you got, you got your buddy next to you doing it and you're both suffering together, you could walk away from it with, you know, <laughs> high five and with some smiles and, you know, it's yeah. a good day. It's definitely a good day. Well, for, for a lot of us uh, that are in recovery, um, you know, community, same, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a huge part of it, whether it's a 12 step program or, or church or whatever it is. And, and even crossfitting as an example, um, we had a buddy, uh, Nick Rucker on, I can't remember what episode number it was. Um, been sober for, for a few years now. Um, his, and I'm, I'm always a firm believer that everyone's path is different mm-hmm. and everyone, things that work for me might not work for you and vice versa. Well, he didn't necessarily do 
even a 12-step program, his community was CrossFit. And that's how he stays sober is by, and, and actually you and you had mentioned something about sober. There's a sober CrossFit, yep. even like workout program, which I thought was freaking cool too. I didn't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Sobriety Wad. Uh, it's a network of uh, CrossFitters and, and just athletes and trainers in general that want to use CrossFit and the methodology that, that CrossFit has done to, to, to emphasize a community component yeah. that supports structure, whether it's working Ooh, out or whether it's just having a bad day, you could always turn to, you know, that community that supports structure to help yeah. you out. Most yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a, there's even a few um, recovery centers down um, in what well, I only know of the ones down in Southern California. I'm sure they're all over, but they really have a, a really hard um, centered focus on um, fitness out on the beach, you know, doing um, like Navy Steels style yeah. workouts, trying yeah. to kick their ass in the gear. And mm -hmm. apparently a lot of guys dig that. I mean, I know, I know this stuff kind of helps me yeah. like from the community aspect to, um, you know, physical, mental, like I was telling you yesterday, just even the stress relief of coming in and letting some of that stuff go, whatever's on our, on our plates, on our minds that day I can come in. I know I'm going to get a good workout in, hang out with some cool people and then go about my day in an hour too, right? In an hour. That's yep. the best in thing. an hour. Most definitely yeah. in an hour. You know, we're back in the day when we're all hunter gatherers, you know, we didn't have the problems of bills and <laughs> Know, and right? you know things we just like had to worry about getting eaten by a leopard exactly <laughs> getting eaten by a leopard exactly exactly so you know when you know that fight or flight doesn't have that natural um you know out outlet yeah you know we we tend to just bottle that up and anybody knows everybody knows you just can't bottle things like that up yeah. you need an outlet for it, a physical totally. outlet for it and if that means just coming into a gym you know getting some work done for about an hour by all means that that's what we found has been the biggest biggest improvement in uh, athletes' lives, individuals' lives that they come into the, you know, through these doors. That you know, just give us an hour. Yeah. Just give us an hour. We'll make some magic happen. Uh, on you know, from every demographic, whether it's like uh, someone in recovery, whether it's a uh, it's a you know a, a vet with a with an amp that's an amputee, whether it's just a, you know a mom that just wants to get you know a workout done, just yeah. so you know you know shed some few pounds. So you know whatever, it's it's something for everyone. And yeah. uh, that's what we're here for. I, I love the diversity of that too, because we have a real diverse group. There's people who are just straight badass at CrossFit, and there's people even just like myself who just started a couple months ago mm -hmm. coming in. You know, moms, dads, business people, yeah. uh, police officers. I mean, all kinds of different people, yeah. and that's a that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Everyone from a, every walks of life. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, so you did well, how many years? I didn't add up the years, but I want to say it was about twenty years. Twenty one years, right? Twenty one years, years, man. Yep. Yep. And you went right into the Marine Corps right out of high school or from Alabama you went right in yeah or? so I did a little bit of uh, I did a little bit of college uh, as soon as I graduated from Hunts, uh, the high school in Huntsville um, I moved north to Illinois with my mom did a little bit of uh, college there it wasn't really panning out yeah and then I saw a recruiter inside the mall and you know he wasn't trying to sell me anything he just pitched it you know he asked me what I you know what my plans were I was like you know I'm just gonna go to school you know do my thing <laughs> yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a teacher you know and I'm like and then yeah. you could see in the recruiter's eyes like I've heard this story before oh, yeah hook, line, and sinker. This yep. is what I'm gonna throw at him. Like, whenever you think you're ready, you let me know. Oh, didn't he, did the, oh, he did the yeah. reverse psychology oh, on he your got me. He up. got me, yeah. He's like, whenever <laughs> you think you're ready, you let me know. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, sure enough, I, I just, I was, I mean, I was working at a kiosk job in the mall. You know, what were you selling? Earrings, necklaces? <laughs> what, what was it? Wigs? All right, all right, here, you ready? <laughs> model trains. Oh, model, model trains. trains and really? novelty ties. Novelty ties. It was Lionel Express. The kiosk uh, was called Lionel Express. They sold uh -huh. Lionel trains. And if you're in the tr model train community, you all know what I'm talking about. That's like the Ferrari of model trains, I guess. Yeah. Are, wait, where, where do the, are there like model train conferences? And I'm sure there's gotta be. There probably, has to be. Huh? There, there has, has to, to be. be. Yeah. And wow. then, uh, you know, I bounced between that one and then a novelty tie shop 
That was called, you ready? Yes. Absolutely not. K-N-O-T. I could appreciate a good Whoa. pun. That was half the selling point. That was great, right? So what, what does a novelty tie consist of? What could that oh, be? Oh, my favorite. So when we'd be at the booth, we would have, That's great. We would have to, uh, we would have to absolutely rock the product. So mm -hmm. I always chose the, uh, the kiss tie with uh, all the members from kiss oh, uh, nice, on it. Nice, yeah. Nice. Gene uh, Simmons yeah. Oh all, yeah. Ace Freely, all of them, all of them. Um, and uh, so that was the tie that I wore. But then we had every like hot dog ties, bacon ties. <laughs> I didn't even know. Like apparently, Rush Limbaugh had a uh, a fancy tie line. Really? Oh yeah. So there was like Rush Limbaugh ties. Things are ugly. I, I'd, ugly. I'd like to get if I had to pick a tie. I think here's what I'd pick right now. I'd pick a maybe like that that. Uh, it's like that powder blue tie. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd have like a mustard stain right on it, right there. The intentional mustard stain. The intentional stain. <laughs> mustard stain kind of built into it. So then you just wear it and you look really nice, but you have a mustard yeah, stain. Yep. Right it's just tie. like it's just like a handkerchief. You it's just gotta own that. You gotta own that. It's an accessory. You gotta own that mustard stain. Any do you have any other ties left or no? No, no. Okay. I, I once I once I left, I I, I put that life behind me. It's so no what, longer who I am. So then you went so after the novelty tie business and um uh Totally Lionel trains, yeah. Lionel uh, trains, yeah. trains, yeah. Um, you go into the military or what? Yeah. Or, so yeah. Uh, I, March third was the day that I went into the recruiter's office. So I think I got, you know, I, I like to see what it, what this is all about. I think I got what it takes. Is, yeah. You know, my my projected future, what I what I had visioned, is becoming a little bit more more and blurrier blurrier every day. Uh, so you know, he says, "What do you?" You know, he pulled out these little those little cards, and every Marine Corps recruiter out there will know what I'm talking about. These little honor courage commit not honor courage commitment cards, but like, you know, what do you want to get out of the military? Do you want travel and adventure? Do you want uh, do you want education? Do you want? And so I picked. You know, I want to get stronger. I want to serve my country, yeah. and you know, I wanted to travel. And it's like we could do that for you. I'm like, yeah. Are they kind of building a profile for you in kind that of, somewhat in yeah, a sense, like exactly. to kind of figure out where they're going to place you, what you'd like, like that kind of stuff? So at well, least they're they're they're, lo they're looking at what the intention is. Oh, so you know, I'm, I'm I was like 19. I come in, and it, you know, when it comes to a marketing standpoint and a you know and a recruiting standpoint, you need to know your target population. But yeah. it's hard, a little bit harder for recruiters, especially when it comes to kids that just graduated high school. So you know, they they kind of set the cards, you know, set the cards up for you, and then based off of you know your reaction and what the, your what the perceived intention is, then they kind of tailor their their selling selling to Got you. It. So yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's, uh, and then he started talking about different options. And I had to take my uh, ASFAB, which is that test that, uh, you know, kids take to, yeah. it's like a test for the military and see where you fall in in regards to your, you know, your score and your, what your quote unquote intelligence score is when it comes to yeah. applications. Is that a pretty hard test? When I did it, no, it wasn't. It's probably different now. Yeah, it's different now. Ago, I, I knew Marines that had to retake because they wanted to go to a different job in the Marine Corps that yeah. required a higher score. So they were studying for it, and they're like, this is not what I remember it to be. I'm like, of course not. How many times can you take it? Oh, man, I don't know. I think... I mean, but you can do it multiple. Yeah, you can, do, definitely, point, you can definitely so. do it multiple yeah, times. Okay. Yeah, you definitely do it multiple times. And, and you know, they're... You know, if you if you're close to the cut, if you're close to the score, they can yeah. offer a waiver for that to get you into that position. That yeah, you yeah. It's like okay, okay, this guy. I think the ninety is the lowest you can get, huh. and uh, and you know they were they were like, if you're close, and we'll we'll write that waiver. We'll give yeah. you the next two three points for you. Yeah. So yeah. So. so so you take the ASVAB, and yeah. then what what happens from take there? Take the ASVAB. Uh, I score. Uh, I didn't score too bad. You know, I, it opened me up. Uh, what that does is it opens you up to a lot of different jobs uh, in the Marine Corps. 
And uh, so he told me like, this is what you got. These are your options. And he showed me the pamphlet. And I, you know, I, I initially wanted to go into uh, communications. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he started talking about communications. Later, I found out that he wasn't, he didn't even have a communications background in the Marine Corps. <laughs> I think he had supply or something. That's a knock supply. Yeah. But he was just like, yeah, in communications, there's a job there called satellite communications. Yeah, it's the, you're gonna be on the leading edge of technology. I'm like, all starry eyed. I'm like, yeah, tell me more. He's all reading. He's all, you're uh, going to be on the leading edge. Exactly. Like straight up from the brochure. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what I went with. And 20 days later, on March 23rd, I found myself on the Yellow Footprints in San Diego, California, getting screamed at. Damn. At like one in the morning by a drill instructor telling me to get off his bus. Yeah. And it was just hectic. It was just hectic and it was just hair. Is that in Coronado area? Because we go down it's to a, Coronado. It's a little year, bit it's north. It's right, further, you know, okay, so you know where the airport is? Yes. Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego is right next to the airport. Okay, got Which it. is one of the most depressing things if you're a recruit <laughs> away from home and you yeah. see the, what we call the freedom birds just fly off. Like, and so um, while you're out there grinding it out, getting yelled at and uh, your body's about to fail yeah. you, you're watching these people. Oh, exactly. Getting thrashed. Yep. Yeah. Flying out of, you know, flying away out of beautiful San Diego. And what like, is that boot camp like? Uh, it's, it's pretty, when I, you know, I went through 98, a lot of changes have happened since yeah. then, un, uh, you know, unfortunately due to some of the incidents that, uh, that we've seen, but, uh, yeah. it was pretty intense. You know, those early days, early days, uh, long hours. And it was just, the biggest thing was just the adjustment of now this is, this is my life now. That's, that's yeah. what the impression was. And this is my life now. Uh, the yelling, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It's just the, you know, tr them trying to drive home like this teamwork aspects, yeah. you know, I mean, it, wrestling and, and you know kind of getting rid of the individual exactly yeah. breaking you down uh stripping you away uh stripping away all the individualness that is an you know that is mm -hmm. a, a fresh recruit in, into recruit training and then you know indoctrinating you that everything that is the marine corps from history close order drill weapons handling everything and once again just entry level stuff just so you know, they know what they're expecting and the fleet Marine Corps is expecting Yeah, uh, going on from well, there. They, and they incorporate, uh, or, or CrossFit has incorporated a lot of the military mm -hmm. uh, style training mm -hmm. into CrossFit, right? Isn't that kind of where it's been adapted from? Yeah, yeah that's bit? actually how it started. Uh, CrossFit originally, uh, you know, one of the sayings originally was, you know, forging elite fitness and originally designed by, you know, a group of group of former Navy SEALs, you know, yeah. Rory McKernan, Dave Castro, uh, all those guys uh, came up with this program where, you know, the the typical chest and tries back and buys things while it was getting dudes strong yeah. as far as how it applied to what they needed in regards to being operationally functional uh it's a know, big difference oh there, it's a huh? big difference yeah. big difference and that's how that's how uh, crossfit started uh the marine corps for a little while had adopted that but you know the marine corps wanted to put its own name on oh, something yeah. so it, they changed it to high intensity tactical training or hit Oh, okay. Kind of like a, yeah. a branch off of what uh, most people know as hit is high intensity interval training. Yeah, that's the way yeah. I heard it. Yeah, think, exactly. Yeah. So the Marine Corps put their own stamp on it called high intensity tactical training. Uh, it took years uh, to evolve to where it is uh, today, uh, but you know they got smart about it. They hired some professionals and some yeah. ex exercise uh, specialists, and they wanted to make a a more capable marine and they found that just doing max set of pull-ups and then running three miles wasn't uh wasn't cutting it anymore so yeah. they developed this whole program they even changed fitness standards they went from a physical fitness test to a more uh a dynamic huh. uh fitness test called the combat fitness test where it involved like buddy drags fireman carries like a mock grenade uh throw where you had to like not only uh hit the target but hit the target while you're tired and and just catching your breath and and, and all that so it, what's funny is one thing that i that i like like when you coach and 
you you always address us as athletes, right? Oh yeah, and that, and, and I know that there's um you know, and I, I've just I've picked up on that like the mentality of that. So what you're describing right now, that's an athlete to me, somebody yeah. who is, and, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm right. I don't know. This is just how I kind of think about it. Somebody who is very well rounded, who can do, um you know, a lot of different body movements and mm. different different um, different things and be capable of doing that mobility stuff all of that exactly and um it's funny though because that's kind of been embedded like okay i can be an athlete again i, I was an athlete at one yep. time i thought you know what i'm saying exactly but, um yeah that's that's just uh, that's cool though what you're describing that chest arms and that's no yeah. offense that's not really an athlete just no, working that yeah. isolating exercises you know that had that definitely has its place you know yeah, we got bodybuilders sure. builders out there and they're doing their thing with that but you know as it translates to somebody you know you know with some body armor on like 25 30 pounds of body armor on with a pack and a weapon yeah. you know that doesn't have the applicability what that we need it to we need to be able to conduct uh, ourselves accordingly in a professional manner yeah. uh, operationally as well tactically as well and and that's going to call for more of a like a general physical preparedness versus yeah. such a specialized uh, dynamic when it comes to sports specific uh, yeah. you know things so yeah so okay so let's um let's let's back up here so you go um, you take the ASVAB you get ready he's about to give you your um, your uh, well, no, I'm sorry. You got to boot camp, I think, is where we left off. Yep. You started yep. going through boot camp, and then what, what happened from there? Uh, was uh, d boot camp's three months long. Uh, graduated boot camp and uh, went on ten days of of, of leave. Is just sort of that little bit of respite after three months of getting thrashed. And here, <laughs> here we're going to send this fresh new marine out into the public, see what he does. Yeah, it gives you about ten days of leave, and then uh, after that, I reported back to Camp Pendleton, California, for marine combat training at the School of Infantry. Uh, so it's after you graduate boot camp, it's broken up into two paths almost. Uh, if you're infantry or O three hundred uh, with an O three hundred MOS or job uh, in the Marine Corps, you go to the uh, SOI School of Infantry. Uh, if you're a non O three or a non infantry, then you go to the Marine Combat Training, which they kind of go over wave tops about the basics of infantry tactics. You know the adage that is, you know, every Marine's a rifleman. You know, so everybody, everybody in the Marine Corps should be able to employ their weapon. Uh, you know, you know. To attack the objective, you know, and watch out for their buddy. That's that's kind of like the gr foundational groundwork that the Marine Corps has built itself on. And uh, so I, you know, after ten, 10 days of leave, I go to Marine Combat Training because uh, I'm I'm thinking I'm going to be a communications satellite communications guy. <laughs> that's right. right. Forgot about this that, is what yeah. we call foreshadowing. I'm thinking I'm going to be a communications <laughs> guy. Uh, yeah. So we go to Marine Combat Training where we do all the you know we work on all the different weapon systems to like grenade launchers to heavy machine guns uh to light machine guns uh and things like that basics the basics basics of patrolling not saying that every marine that graduates mct is a is a, is a steely-eyed thousand yard stare <laughs> grunt absolutely yeah. not it's just yeah. like just the wave tops just so you know in the event that we needed to use you in some capacity the marine Corps could say you were at least trained in the basics yeah. of how, uh, of a rifleman. To and pick then, up a weapon and use it. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and the other services aren't like that. Um, yeah. So uh, the Marine Corps is unique in that capacity. Yeah, I got a pocket knife on me. I can use that. That's I got some knife hands. I got some knife hands. <laughs> Dude, you got some knife feet, bro. <laughs> Grinding into my leg. Oh, that, there we go. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's a whole nother subject. Yep, but yep. Um, so, and you, so you end up going on to do twenty years. You did. I, you went to Iraq. You went to Afghanistan. Yep. What was that like, man? Uh, you know, I was very fortunate enough uh, to have the duty stations and assignments that I did. I, you know, I, I graduated. What was your final job? I'm sorry, actually. Let me. My, my final job. Yeah, you, you didn't get the communications thing. I yeah. Assume. Okay. So okay. I, I graduated MCT in the last week. 
uh, they tell you what your job is and it's this accumulating <laughs> thing where you just finish the final exercise and you're yeah. all sweaty and now you've been in the field for about three or four days uh, and then uh, the uh, the instructor the SOI instructor uh, comes out with the list of, of MOS's and he starts going down the list and he's like private men and, you know I raise my hand is like utilities construction I'm like what what uh, and then I sit back down and then I and he starts going back and I raise my hand again I'm like I still remember the dude's name, like Sergeant Gammon. Uh, <laughs> what do they do? And he looked at me, he had a thick Jamaican accent. He's like, they wire uh, Christmas lights on the Commandant's house. I don't know, go sit down, you're not a grunt. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, right. cool, cool. So Damn. I find out uh, that the utilities falls under the combat, combat engineering construction kind of world. Uh, in fact, the school is actually at the Marine Corps Engineer School in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So, uh, you know, I get my MOS and I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what do these guys do? You know, build shit, build stuff, <laughs> you know, depending on where you're at, you could either be, uh, as far as on the combat engineering side, you could either be building stuff or you could be blowing stuff up, mm. building bridges or clearing minefields or, mm. you know, building a school, you know? So it, it all depends on what capacity you're in. On, on my side, it was more utilities, like interior electrical and power distribution, things like that. Huh. Uh, so I go to that MOS school, that or that job at uh, the Marine Corps Engineer School in uh, Camp Lejeune, uh, North Carolina. I think that's about another three-month school to go over electrical theory and, and all this stuff. I'm like, I did not. Wow, want to do get a crash course in like carpentry. Oh and yeah, like all electrical, yeah. engineering. I mean everything. Yeah, and three months too. I, I have a construction background myself yeah. in three months. That's not a lot of time. To no, learn that shit. no, like, it's that's, not. Yeah, that's fast. And then putting that on a 19 year old or even oh, yeah. like 17, 18 year olds where they're like, they're still, still trying to figure out how to like, you know, put their uniform on. Oh right, yeah. Dude, know? I had my head so far up my ass when I was 19. <laughs> I still do sometimes, yep. but back then I can't imagine like, I probably yep. should have went in the military. That would have sped it up. Oh man. Bit. And, uh, yeah, we, um, so that, that course is about three months long and then, uh, I get orders and they, they tell me, and I, I don't know why I still remember these names. Staff Sergeant Watt, no pun intended. Staff Sergeant Watt was like, man, you're going to, uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina here. And I'm like, uh, where's, you know, I was like, okay, like what, you know, like second combat engineers. So I was like, what do they do? Blow <laughs> stuff again. up, blow stuff up, man. Go sit down. I don't know. I'm like, oh God, I'm like, great. This is the next four years of my life. People telling me to go shut up and sit down and just like do as I'm told. So, uh, I graduate from the course. I literally check in that day, drive down the road and I'm sitting and processing for probably eight hours in my service oh, wow. uniform. It's hot yeah. and I'm sweating. I'm like, this is not, this is not good. This is yeah. not good. So, uh, check into second combat engineers and immediately they're talking about, Hey, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's some stuff going on. Um, Kosovo was kind of kicking off at the time. Uh, but what had just recently happened was hurricane George kind of like waylaid Puerto Rico back in 98. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's a big humanitarian effort for that. So I didn't even have the, the plastic was still over my like gear that I got when I checked it out of supply. And they're like, yeah, don't get too comfortable. You're going to Puerto Rico. So wow. uh, that's what I thought. I'm like, oh man, I get to travel. So <laughs> literally like 30 days later, I was on a ship uh, going to the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico doing the humanitarian uh, effort out there for, for Hurricane George. So that was my intro to the Marine Corps. And I'm like, oh, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I get back like two months later and then it's just like sitting or, you know, being told what to do again. Just like, yeah. hey, go change the oil in that generator. Or hey, you got duty, so you gotta go stand, you know, watch at this place. Yeah. And, and it was just trying to find my place 
on what I needed to do now. Is this like a regular job? Is this, you know, what, how do I do this? So, yeah. uh, and then I went to California. Um, what do you, well, let me just interrupt really fast. Yeah. Like when you look back now, like it, in what you do now, and when you look back to that day of kind of confusion, because I like what you said, I was trying to find my place. Like, yeah. like what what did that teach you then? Because in the time, it probably seems stupid in a sense. Like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I or maybe not stupid. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it. But a little bit confusing. Like, I'm just this kid. Like, I really don't know what's going on. Like, it, like what what did that teach you? Do you think? I today? think I think it taught me to 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 really look into you know you know my why my purpose like yeah. why did i do this is it what and what my expectations were did i did i expect to go running and gunning from the moment my boots got on the ground yeah uh and that wasn't the case and and you know and and i had to kind of not come to grips with that but it was hard for me to kind of transition to that because i was there less than 30 days and i'm here i am on a boat in the middle of the uh, the caribbean yeah and i'm i'm watching I'm like i've never seen like you know the sunset over the caribbean and so it's like this is awesome this is what it's all about and then helping the yeah. people uh, right outside of roosevelt uh, naval air station roosevelt roads in puerto rico like helping the villages out in that area just you know getting them power fresh water you know yeah. just delivering stuff serving to them. Like yeah being ex of service. Ex exactly yeah. exactly and pe seeing how appreciative yeah uh people are so that you know so when i got back i was like so what's next <laughs> oh this is what next this is what next yeah. is next men uh your room was nasty so guess what you're doing on saturday not going out you're cleaning your room i'm like <laughs> like you're like 12 oh yeah exactly <laughs> like and you're gonna get clean you're gonna yeah. clean it until i get tired you know i'm like well that doesn't make any sense i'm like what are you doing I, so I, and i the, the only reason i asked you that because i was curious yeah. is it, to what you know your your thoughts were on it mm. but also too i think for a lot of us whether you're in recovery you're not in recovery i'm just talking about from a life perspective here a lot of us are going through things in life mm. and we don't understand them at the time we mm. don't know why this is happening why is this happening to me why did this turn out like this and a lot of the time um if i know for me like if i can learn to just accept where i'm at in that time i'm and and just roll with it mm. i may figure out later on you know that man there was a there was a reason i went through that and mm -hmm. now it makes sense later on so that patience there and and kind of being able to endure and go through some of that stuff mm -hmm. you know i always wanted uh you know growing up and and kind of the marine corps kind of helped me with this as well is i i always wanted to be of some use yeah so i would always you know initiative was never a problem when it came to you know things i did in the marine corps and any marine will tell you initiative is and, and just in life in general initiative it, it plays a lot and it, it it's what it's all about and uh so i never had that problem so i was always asking you know what like what can i do now yeah what you know because i want my you know my time is i felt that my time is valuable and if i have the capacity to be able to do something or make a difference like i'll do that whether it's you know taking somebody's duty or you know standing watch for them rather yeah. uh, you know just what can i do now because you know i joined the marine corps and boredom at that time for me boredom and being a marine wasn't going hand in hand. I needed to do something. So yeah. they would put me, they sent me to uh, 29 Palms, California, which is right outside the Mojave, uh, Mojave Desert. And I, you know, I went on a field, ex a three month field exercise out there where it was just like me, a team of, and I was a Lance Corporal then at E3, uh, and, and a team of guys that weren't my job in the Marine Corps, but I, I was in charge of making sure that they knew how to employ like uh, power gener you know, mobile power generation assets mm. uh, to different sites along in the in the 29 Palms area. So you know, I was like, that's a you know, I was kind of nervous. I'm like, that's a big responsibility. Yeah. There's other, yeah. there's like, there are people that are higher ranking than me that I got to sit there and teach them how to do this and do this correctly. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was an environment where you know it was welcomed. You know, it wasn't like, oh, you're a, you're a Lance Corporal, you don't know what you're talking about. 
Oh, like, oh, hey, Lance Corporal Min. Okay, so um, we got you here. Tell us what we need to do. Huh. So how I felt as far as, uh, you know, initiative and capacity and, 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 and what my why was, other Marines had that too. So that was my like, okay, we're all, you know, that was, that was when it was, uh, it came clear to me, like, we are all a team here. Yeah, There's one thing, like exactly. Factor. You know, if I kept within the boundaries of what my rank was and it was respectful, it was, off, it was often returned. Yeah. So regardless of what, billet or job placement uh i was in and uh you know i here's another name I, you know I, I there's a gentleman there uh a senior a senior staff member by the name of gunner sergeant uh charbonnet have there's, you not thought of these names in a long time no Is that, I haven't. that's it's yeah, funny that's how when thing. you start talking huh and sharing yeah. stuff and then all of a sudden you're like oh this guy that guy that's kind of yeah. cool and yeah. then yeah uh, you know gunner sergeant charbonnet was like hey uh, you know you you have you know a lot of potential you yeah know, he was a combat engineer he was a gulf war guy uh he's like have you th ever thought about going on embassy duty and I'm like, what is that? You know, and I still get goosebumps <laughs> thinking about it too. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you're 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 a Marine Guard, and you go to any of the embassies around the world, but man, you got to want it. It's 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 a school where they they try to like get you. To, you know, they, they want to drop you because it's gonna you're gonna be by yourself alone in an embassy, and uh, that's that's kind of a big deal. Oh, that sounds like dangerous shit. Like, I mean, it could potentially be it dangerous, could, right? could. depending on where you're at. Depend, I'm sure. Especially, yeah. you know. Um, the, uh, the American embassies in uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and uh, Nairobi, Kenya were blown up, uh, yeah. I believe, earlier that year. So, wow. uh, you know, it, it's, it can be kinetic. It, it, there is a, a certain level of uh, risk involved with taking on assignment. That's why the school is, is really, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty intense when it comes to being able to see what you're made of because you're always, you're constantly being evaluated. You're constantly yeah. being watched because... If you, and I've told other Marines this that went through this school, like if you cannot conduct yourself in this schoolhouse environment, how do we expect you to conduct yourself in an, in, in an embassy yeah. in, in Ankara, Turkey, you know, or Istanbul, you know, it's like, what, like, how do we, how can we trust you? So the school is meant to be like pretty, you know, attrition heavy yeah. because they want to see what you're made of. They, they, they'll give you, they'll give any reason to drop you uh, because they don't want to graduate a kid who don't who, who they think is not ready uh, yeah. they rather extend. how old were you at this time i was 20 oh, when i wow. went on embassy duty yeah i was 20 when i went on embassy duty went through the school the schoolhouse is in quantico virginia they've changed the name since i've been through they called marine, marine corps embassy security group uh which is in quantico which is right outside the fbi academy uh, in virginia in yeah in virginia yeah quantico virginia uh, so i did that went through that was that was a gut check uh but i was a lance corporal at the time so once again shut up, do what you're told. I'm like, I could do that. I've done that. I'm pretty yeah. good at that. Uh, so that's, that was, uh, that's good. That I think it was about six weeks long. We got pepper sprayed. We did all the defensive yeah. tactics with the, the police baton and all that, that we ran. Oh my goodness. We ran, uh, gunnery Sergeant Kimball, who was the detachment commander at the embassy in Dar es Salaam. Uh, he was one of the class advisors. So, you know, he was there when the embassy blew up and, oh, wow. uh, his, yeah, he took, he took this like passionately, you know, he's like, I know, what Marines are capable of in times of duress. And if I don't feel that you could live up to that standard, uh, then you and we're not going to graduate you. So he was a runner and yeah. we were like, you uh, try to catch Gunner Sergeant Kimball. And, you know, so kind of looked up to him in that regard. Like this guy has seen it. And this is after Gulf War. We, we're not looking at any conflict right now. Yeah. Cause this is all pre nine. Oh, pre, way pre yeah. nine 11. So, yeah. So it's like, to remember that too. This guy's like, this guy was like, everybody looked up to this guy. This guy has seen it. This guy has been operational. He yeah. is like, he, everything he says coming out of his mouth is something that we need to apply in order to be successful. He's yeah. not going to steer us wrong in that. 
so uh, we graduated. Uh, the, I mean, the, the whole process when it comes to like background investigations, making sure you don't have a shady past, alcohol-related incidents was another one. Uh, if you had any alcohol-related incidents, you were automatically disqualified from the program. What, was that big in like boot camp and going through in those early days, alcohol, drugs? They talked about they, they talked about substance abuse, and we I. They, they, they talked about how the zero tolerance policy, the zero tolerance policy uh, for al- uh, drug abuse, uh, as far as alcohol abuse, I think then if it didn't affect how you were, how you conduct a business during the day, I don't think they really, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it really. As long as you I, were taking care of business. Exactly. But did you see any guys though who had issues with it? Though? I did. Or, yeah. I did. There was, uh, there's one guy, he was just like, I think, I think ecstasy was getting really big. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And he, he popped on a urinal, random urinalysis. He popped. And, uh, you know, he, he popped for ecstasy. And I think the amount that was in his system was equivalent to like, if you took it like at midnight that night and you're back at work at seven in the morning and you're operating heavy machinery, you know, Good so, Lord. you know, I'm no expert in heavy machinery, but I think you do not need to be under the influence of ecstasy. Like, hey, I'm supposed to be shooting right now, but bro, I just love you, man. Yeah. I just yeah. love you. <laughs> uh, so there was that, uh, you know, occasionally, uh, the command would do, uh, so after every long break over the weekend, whether it was like July 4th or whatever, uh, they would have a urinalysis, a random urinalysis. Yeah. But then uh, one one time they they did that random because everyone expects it. Like, oh, don't do drugs over the weekend. You know what's going to happen when you yeah. when you come back is a urinalysis. Uh, so they did the urinalysis. Then two days later, they did another urinalysis. Oh, which was kind of not yeah. the regular yeah, system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then a couple guys popped for marijuana then. Wow. And it was, uh, yeah, it was not... Is that definitely zero tolerance? And yeah. uh, when it came to embassy duty, if you had any incidents, like I any incidents with the law, so yeah. I had to explain why I got a speeding ticket. So they're like, really? we got, in your record, we have we see two speeding tickets, and I had to kind of like articulate that. You know, they know everyone's going to have some something for the most part. It's can you articulate it? Can yeah. you say why you did it? And you know, is there potential to do it again? Yeah, you know. So you know, I was able to articulate the speeding ticket. And like, man, and, I had to take a shit really bad. No, you I know, was trying to go get home as fast as I could. I can't shit in public places. Yeah. Man, sorry. <laughs> I should have used that. I should have used that. I yeah. might have got a little bit more sympathy from it. But uh, uh, I was talking to the instructor at the time and I was like, you know, Master Art, uh, you know where this place is on Camp Pendleton? Uh, he's like, yeah. Well, I was trying to, I was going to Speedland. I was passing a construction vehicle. And on top of that, hill there's a speed trap there and it caught me passing this construction vehicle so you know uh completely and i, I was definitely in the wrong but you know it's, it doesn't it's not going to happen again yeah uh and it's like okay so you, you know you could articulate one can you can you speak to a human being without one swearing all the time because you're yeah. gonna be placed in a diplomatic environment sure they don't need people to curse every other word and there were yeah. marines in that course that got dropped because they can't it, conduct themselves exactly. They weren't professional. Yeah. They couldn't articulate themselves in a social setting without having to like curse. Yeah. Um, there was a marine that got dropped for messy handwriting. Really? Yeah. Because wow. uh, every time we stand post, we had to write those logbook entries. Oh. And yeah. if those logbook entries, that's when we had to hand jam them. I guess they're on computer now. But when we had to hand jam them, having hand like like legible handwriting was something that was required. It's kind of funny though too, because I think from like a leader perspective, and yeah. I'm just kind of putting. My, myself in the yeah. shoes of someone like I forgot his name now the um, uh, what's the guy's name that that did the, all the training and stuff for the embassy oh uh, uh or who okay so actually I don't even know that it matters just whoever's analyzing the handwriting thing right yeah 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 is it more is it more about the it's not 
probably so much about the handwriting itself, but also an example of sloppiness. If your handwriting is sloppy, yeah. there's probably potential that you're going to be sloppy in other areas. There's the, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's one of those, like, if this is a requirement for you to graduate the school, yeah, legible handwriting, what are you going to do to fix that? Are you going to put in the hours to actually make your handwriting legible? Yeah. Is it, does it mean that much to you to dedicate a couple hours at night on top of everything you got going on to work on your ABCs and capital <laughs> yeah. block letters. Uh, and then on top, from a leadership perspective, if you're in a position where you're, you know, you got your team of guys at the school, it's like, if you're a corporal, like, what are you doing to uh, help this Marine? Yeah. Are you just letting him like, so are you setting up for failure? I mean, you got, you got good handwriting. Why don't you help him out? Yeah. And then it's one of those things where like, listen, when you get to an embassy, you're going to have a small team of guys and if you cannot watch out for your guys here in this schoolhouse environment, knowing that everything we throw at you is, in a, is, is controlled and is a test, yeah. what are you saying when this guy is struggling with his handwriting, he's trying to put in the effort, but you as an assistant detachment commander or that corporal, that sergeant, is not helping him out? Yeah. That speaks volumes because that, that just bleeds into once you actually graduate and go to your embassy, like the type of person you're going to be when the times get tough, yeah. when Marines are having like legitimate issues, what are you going to do? So they, they look at every aspect, every little, thing. every little thing. You're constantly being evaluated and always ties to, if you can't conduct yourself here, how can you conduct yourself yeah. out in an embassy so, by yourself? So where'd you end up? Um, so what uh, embassy? Yeah. So when I went through, it was two 15 month tours. They have since changed it to three one year tours, which is awesome. Uh, so my first tour was American, the American embassy in Nicosia, Cyprus. I have no idea. Exactly, right? Is that in Greece? Yeah, well, so it's south of Turkey, off the okay. coast of Israel. It is a, it's, it's, it's got a, it's a Greek heritage okay. to it, but they're uniquely Cypriot, just like how there's mainland Japan, and then there's Okinawa, Japan, and the Okinawans don't, they're Okinawans, they're... It's, yeah, yeah it's, so it's like different. that, so Cypriots are, they speak Greek, <laughs> they have their own little twang to, uh, to, their, to their language, but, you know, they're, they're uniquely Cypriot. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, Greeks are, are uniquely uh, Greek. And it was when I got there, the island was divided uh, between the north, northern occupied uh, area, which was controlled by Turkey, and then the southern area, which is control, was, was, Greek, was Greek colonized. So, and I think at, it was a time where it was the only capital city in the world where it was divided straight down uh, the middle. I think before oh, that was really? like Berlin, you know, you know with the wall. <laughs> with the so, wall. Yeah. So yeah. they've since, I think in 2008, they opened uh, the border up and people can move freely from the north into the south, which is... Yeah, as beautiful as the south is, yeah. uh, the south area of Cyprus, uh, the the north end of the island is just as beautiful because it's it's been untouched. Really, you know, the UN doesn't recognize, or UN hadn't recognized it. EU doesn't recognize it. It's really? just northern occupied, and there's sort of this stalemate. NATO's there, just sort of like trying to keep the peace. Beach, you got beaches. Oh, I'm, beautiful I'm beaches. Yeah, just like crazy stuff. The weather is temperate, just like California, but but there is a mountain. There's a mountain range on Cyprus, so during the winter time, you could be down at the beach getting a suntan, then two hours later be up in the Trudos mountains, uh, where it's snowing really yeah, two hours later. Yeah. And so you did fi how many months? 15 months, 15 months. 15 months. Yeah. And then when I, when I pulled, when they picked me up from the airport in, uh, in Larnaca, in Larnaca, I believe, uh, I'm like, this place is beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm a 20 year old kid just went through this embassy school and I'm, I'm sitting here in a foreign country now where like yeah. two, three years ago I was Lionel trains. No, I got to help you. you know? So, uh, get to do you like my kiss tie? Exactly. Like we got many more just like this. Let me show you around my kiosk. I'm like, what is this? So now I'm I'm going up to this like house, and, and the State Department, uh, ha, you know, they they get houses from the State Department where uh, they have to house these Marines. So it's like 
uh, 10, you know, it was, if there's, uh, we, there were five Marines in our detachment, so it's a five bedroom house and what five bedroom house is not hooked up. We had, oh, yeah. you know, it is not hooked up. So it's like, <laughs> it was definitely hooked up. We had our own little gym. We had, you know, and, and the big thing with, in regards to the alcohol related incidents, there's a bar inside the Marine house mm. and in that Marine house, that's how we generate funds for things that we need to do, like holding our Marine Corps ball every year. You know, we have to generate these funds. So we have a, a functions at the Marine house that involve the bar. So if you had any alcohol related incidents, that's the last thing they need is a Marine that had an alcohol related incidents with easy access to the, to the bar. bar downstairs yeah. where it's on an honor system that you pay every month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be a huge issue. For big issue. Who's got big a issue. Yeah. So I just spent 15 <clears throat> months there. Uh, did, I did, did a damn good job. I like to say I did, I did a pretty decent job rather Yeah. Uh, out there. And then I was given afforded the opportunity to stay within that region and uh, stand up the new embassy in Doha, Qatar, which is in the Persian Gulf, which is yeah, uh, yeah in the Persian Gulf on the east side of Saudi, the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. That's yeah. not K- K- Qatar. That's yeah, a different. Oh, it's, it is. It's, I'm yeah, still unsure yeah. if that. How do yeah, you it's the same. It? Yeah, it's, it's the, the same, same one. Yeah, okay, I, 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 heard of that. Yeah. I fell into the same. You know, called it Qatar. 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 Uh, when I get there, the lo- it's how the locals, the their the, the the accent that they say it's Qatar. Yeah. Uh, they call it. They say Qatar. What, what was that like? It's totally different well, culture, obviously. It's the only place I've ever seen a nickel-plated Bentley. Really? I'm like, what? Is a nickel? Pl- hold on, I, I got to think about that. A nickel-plated this thing, Bentley. Yeah, this thing was just like, damn, that's probably yeah, pretty cheap. So yeah, so for a while, <laughs> for oh yeah, right, for a while, uh, Cutter, I guess, was just just a, a peninsula that didn't really have anything to offer until yeah. they found uh, a whole bunch of natural gas right in the area and then yeah. gajillionaires wow so the marine house used to be owned by a sheikh who had built it for his wife she didn't like it so he built another one next to, next door where the, like the backyard i mean it's, it's, it's in the middle of the desert we're in the middle east it's all sand out there his backyard was like central park oh, wow. like we would come off of us uh, you know we would come off of mids at 6 a.m go to sleep and then we'd have the, his the peacock that he had roaming around in his backyard, like <laughs> call peacocks call. And- yeah, okay. You know, you're a rich dude and uh, kind of a badass If you're have a pet peacock. Oh in yeah. Your backyard yeah. I mean like there's grass <laughs> where there shouldn't be grass. Yeah. And there's a peacock roaming around waking me up at like seven 30 in the morning. I wanted to shoot it. Huh? I was just like, <laughs> what is this? You yeah. know, it's, it opened my eyes to a lot into a different culture. Yeah. Uh, definitely. It, it, you know, Doha and, and beautiful country, beautiful country. Uh, and yeah, it was just very metropolitan, like four or five story malls. Really? Yeah. Like sports cars, like people very, very liberal with how they want to show off their natural gas money. <laughs> and it was just like, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a 21, 22 year old at this yeah. point. I'm like, ah, I will, I will never be driving a nickel plated Bentley, but it's good to see, <laughs> good to see one. that one exists in the event. Family, like all family that kind of own the central. Yeah, or is it, it one main family, and they they yeah. put all their their members of the family in, in positions of government, and and yeah, so yeah, it's, it's I can't. And it's funny, I can't even remember the name of the fam family. Yeah, yeah but uh, so when did you go to Thailand? Okay, so uh, fast forward. Uh, or think, unless there's anything that's cool in between there, you want to no other than hit on too. Like, so that's uh, so in. Uh, Back in Cyprus, that's when nine eleven happened. I come off of oh, the mid shift, yeah. and my buddy John uh, was sitting on the couch, and he's like, "Dude, dude, a plane just hit the tower, man! The World Trade Center." I'm like, "What?" Like it, it was—it's so hard to like conceptualize that and understand that like, yeah. are, are we being attacked? And sure enough, we turn like I—I I look at the TV, and the second plane hits, and I'm like, and then all of a sudden, everybody's cell phone starts going off. Oh wow! It's like a. Hey, react 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 yeah. they give us the code and we throw on our gear get into the uh, into our, into the suburban 
and we haul ass uh, to the embassy. And we were on lockdown guarding the embassy, all of us, uh, mids are you know, coming off a of mid shift or not uh, for probably the next like seven, eight hours just trying to really? figure out what was going on. Yeah. So that, that probably went for every embassy around oh, yeah. the world. We were that all was just, like, everybody was on point yeah. and just trying to figure out and assess kind of what the situation exactly. was. Exactly. Everyone was on lockdown, wow. uh, which w- once again was one of the reasons why I definitely chose. I'm like, yeah, send me to the middle, middle East. Yeah. Send me to Qatar. Let me, let me take a crack at that and see what that was like. So uh, went out there and then, you know, um, we just, everything started unfolding. You know, we had a lot of dignitaries come out that way too. So I, you know, I was fortunate enough to do protective details, be part of uh, protective details for like Dick Cheney and and Colin Powell when he was the secretary of state uh, and Donald Rumsfeld. So we're, you know, I was like, here I am 20, 21, 22 years old. I'm like, this is all happening. This is, it's amazing. And then uh, came, come time for me to re-enlist and I'm like, yeah, I want to re-enlist. And they sent me to first, uh, I'm sorry, they sent me to Camp Pendleton for first Marine division. Uh, with the uh, the division engineers, and sure enough, I think maybe thirty days later, we're going to Iraq. Damn! So it was twenty uh, two. What are you twenty two? Twenty two. Yeah, yeah. twenty three. Yeah, something like that. Damn! In uh, Iraq. In Iraq. Yeah. yeah just it was very surreal. Yeah. Uh, I bet. Yeah. It's very it's like we we get there and it's like the the heat was like unbelievable. You know, it's like I it's like like melting heat, just, just hot, dry, humid. hot. Yeah. yeah. And um. So there's a lot of talk about, you know, are we going to do show of force or, you know, what are we going to go into Iraq? What are we going to do? And then, uh, yeah, then we got the word, hey, pack up your stuff. We're crossing the line of departure right now. And sure enough that, that we cross, we move forward slowly, slowly. And then when we get the word to cross the line of departure, uh, I was given the assignment to, uh, you know, I was corporal then, uh, E3, and I was given the assignment to, to escort a, uh, a civilian or a, a Kuwaiti uh, bulldozer to a tank ditch. So there was a, the border between Kuwait and Iraq, there's this massive tank ditch. Uh, and then this on the Iraq side, there was a place called Safwan Hill that overlooked that. So hmm. uh, the task for me was to op- to escort this bulldozer to this tank ditch so he could, you know, make a path uh, for, for our forces to go through. And there was nine, there's nine different areas where we could have gone just because we knew we were being observed uh, by the, uh, by the enemy forces on, on yeah. Safwan Hill. So as I was escorting, it was late at night because we want to do it, obviously, cover of darkness. Time, yeah. uh, as I was uh, escorting this uh, this bulldozer, uh, I was passing by one of our friendly tanks uh, from 1st uh, Tank uh, first tank Battalion in uh, 29 Palms. And for whatever reason, and, and I used the tank because it was my like waypoint. Yeah. If I see yeah. this tank, I know I need to go this way huh. and take this uh, bulldozer there. Uh, so I'm, I'm checking like in my rear view mirror, the boulders, uh, I'm driving by this tank using it as waypoint, getting relatively close, but not all up in its like yeah. way. Uh, for some, whatever reason, the, the turret was faced towards Kuwait and not, uh, Iraq. Huh. So when, as I was passing it, a Cobra, a helicopter, a Marine helicopter, a Cobra thought it was an enemy force. Oh, shot shit. a Hellfire missile at it. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it hit the, it hit the tank, blew blew it all to shit and it like it wow. rocked my humvee uh off on two wheels and then i kind of swerved and hit the berm where the tank where the, the the bulldozer was supposed to bulldoze it in and okay and then i looked back behind me bulldozer's gone it's like Whoa. he's like no not doing this <laughs> and uh this this major Damn. who's with who's, a, who's with communications is like what just happened you get on that get on the berm yeah uh and then i look back and i see the tank i'm like everybody in that tank's dead 
at tank commander every yeah. every single everybody's dead i see the uh the the flap open up and then they just start pouring out they they're not on you know, they're, they're just they just jump out yeah. they're not on they're they're they're, they're alive okay. yeah they're okay wow. they're alive uh and then uh the major t- uh, assessed what the situation was going on the tank commander which is a, a second lieutenant maybe first lieutenant probably just you know still 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 green from yeah. from his mos school uh his i guess when he was staring at whatever electronics when uh, that blew up in his face, so he was a little—he was partially blinded by the blast. So I threw him in the back of my—I threw, quote unquote, threw him. I took him to the Nohambi, got him in the back, and uh, drove to the Kuwaiti police station. So that was my intro to, to Iraq welcome. war. Oh welcome. yeah, yeah. Here you go. So Iraq, I, welcome. So, so sorry, my phone was ringing there. So first things first, RX Fit Aid. I'm going to try this right now. Oh, Thank oh, you yeah, for this. Yeah, yep. Um, how do you deal like? how do you deal with like fear in a moment like that? Even, even before, even before that incident actually happened, just yeah. going into that, is that something that in a, in a moment like that, are you just so adrenaline up and just kind of on like doing your, you're in the workflow, yeah. you're doing, you got a job to do, you're going to yeah. do it. Or is there fear, anxiety there? Like, how do you deal with that? I just, uh, you know, I was given the task and like this, yeah. this tank, this bulldozer needs to get this berm because we need to clear this path. Uh, for our forces to come through. So you just got to escort this tank. So I'm like, okay, we didn't, well, there was no indication that we were going to get attacked. There was no indication that yeah. uh, we were going to get hit blue on blue with friendly forces. So I was just like, just my, Corporal Min, hey, that's my waypoint. <laughs> I, once I see that, I need to go there. Yeah. And so I was just fixated on that. So when that happened, you want to talk about like an instant reprioritize, you know, reprioritizing what you got going on. Yeah. Once that happens, like, oh, this is not the field. This is not training. Like people are going to, yeah, this is real. People aren't going to come home from this. So that instantly like streamlined everything. Any, anything that didn't keep, it didn't keep me like in the moment and and paying attention while I was doing, I had to strip away. Mm. So, you know, once I got every, once I got him and and another Marine to back to the Kuwaiti police station, I instantly started like looking at like how my gear is situated or how my truck is situated. Like what, how can I be better? How could I have been better at that? And then I just sort of like sat and adrenaline was still running high. I was just trying to figure out what was going on. And, yeah. you know, the, uh, the captain at the time, uh, Mitchell ball, he, uh, he was just like, dude, you, you did good. You did good. Just sort of relax. You're not, we're not going to send you back out. And we're not going to have you go retrieve it. Just, just relax and yeah. hang out and, and you'll be here till, till the morning. Uh, so welcome. Yeah. 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 Have fun. Glad welcome. to have, you know, <laughs> Iraq spring break, 2003. Everybody have fun. Uh, so wow. yeah, the next morning, then, uh, first Marine division saddled up and, and we crossed the line of departure and there's a big sign that says no U S forces allowed. I snapped a picture and here we are driving right through it. Damn. And, uh, yeah, we, we were first met once we got into Iraq, we were first met with, you know, on route one. And those of you who've been understand like the awesomeness that is route one, from you know just charred vehicles and bodies along the side of the road uh burning oil wells and Damn. yeah and like the the heat uh, and i thought it was hot as it you know it's, it's hot yeah the heat coming off of burning oil well was just so in, like and those are right near the road there yeah. as you're driving oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. past so you could yeah. feel that you heat feel just heat. coming yeah. in yeah. plus you're in a vehicle right yep. which is hot as hot as all get yeah. out they weren't armored at the time they were softbacks so they're really yeah oh yeah you could throw a rock a well-placed rock inside yeah so we we didn't have we had kevlar body armor uh we didn't have the plates uh yeah and we were in softback vehicles some of them didn't have doors uh in it and yeah we we crossed that line of departure into iraq and just telling uh you know just going what general mattis told us to do you know just pushing north so fast that you know our logistical support couldn't keep up 
Huh. So there, you know, you, you've, you know, people heard stories like we were on one meal a day. We had to ration our water, and when they're like, "You got to ration your water," I'm like, "Oh no!" See, and that, that's like so, that's something that you, for like a civilian like myself, never been in the military, never been in a war, or anything like that. Those are the things that you don't really think about. Just like just the normal day to day duties of yeah. like eating, yeah. um, taking a leak, brushing your teeth, like yeah. those types of things. The only time I'll tell you what I do think about it is because I love backpacking. We're yeah. taking a trip in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. That's the only time I'm reminded of how good we have it. Actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you're out in a situation like that and you're yeah. like having to ration food. And yeah. like, I have all this gear on. What about water? I'm going to add an extra, yeah. you know, 20 pounds yeah. because I need to carry enough water so yeah. I can survive to get through the night. That's got, some crazy gotta shit. Got to be careful with the water till you start drinking so much water. Then you start got to go, got to go to the bathroom and we're wearing our chem bio suits. Yeah. Anyone who's worn those, those aren't the most like friendliest thing to get in and out of like you it's got you know it's like overalls yeah. and then the jacket so it zips up to mid chest so it's a real task just to take a leak basically. Uh, well so the, our workaround was that one of the marines brought to pen's adult diapers <laughs> and, really? oh yeah oh yeah he's like yeah, he's smart. like you know he's a motor t motor transport guy's like yeah he's long we can't we can't stop on these long convoys yeah. so i knew that you know he's like kind of new yeah so i just bought a whole bunch of adult diapers i'm like yeah so what are you gonna do you're gonna put it on he's like well yeah i'm gonna put it on because i can't stop to take a leak i'm like yeah can I get one? I'm like, yeah, so that's stupid. <laughs> Can I get one? You know, <laughs> did he give you one? Oh yeah, he gave what me one. What is it like to piss your pants in an adult diaper? You gotta I just be, you gotta know. be conscious about it. You gotta be like, I gotta go to, I gotta, and you're your, your shit, sitting shotgun okay. and you're like, I gotta go pee really bad, Yeah, you know, but you've been so trained not to piss yourself. Totally. And you're like, you're, you're, you're wincing. <laughs> you're like, you're trying to force it. There's a, there's something we take advantage of when we just got to so take a leak weird. and we yeah. just let loose. And then when you're in a situation where you're going everything against how you're raised and programmed, oh, yeah, that, totally. peeing yourself is bad. Don't do that. You got issues. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I got issues. Just and then go. you just sort of let it go. And you're like, okay, um, I, I just pissed myself. <laughs> I just pissed myself. And I'm in Iraq. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, there's dust everywhere. And How long do you got to sit in that thing for until you get a moment and take a break? Uh, and every convoy that we went on was, oh, geez, like at least an eight-hour convoy. Wow. Whether it was a, just a traffic jam from like, uh, you know, just na navigating around different units in the Marine Corps and then like army convoys. Oh, they're just like vehicle after yeah. vehicle after vehicle. So we were kind of stuck in that, you know, just trying to work around that. So I... You know, any convoy last that lasted less than like seven, eight hours was like a good day. Like, wow. uh, you know, it was a good it's day. A short so, day. oh yeah, right. So, um, yeah. So we wore our Kembio suits, and that's what or mop suits rather, and um, yeah, and it was uh, pretty, uh, pretty intense. Went through, um, passed through Adiwania. There's a tank factory there. Went all the way up to Hala and Baghdad. And if I'm getting like the the city's wrong for those of you who know if i'm getting the city order wrong please forgive me <laughs> it's been a while so it's yeah. like i think it was like adiwania hila and then baghdad and then back down that same route again so uh yeah it was just like, it was surreal you know we yeah. how long were you there i was there for five months i believe five mm -hmm. months um you know outrunning log trains and them big ass spiders i heard there's some big ass spiders the, the, the camel video. spiders yeah, those the camel, camel spider. spiders those camel spiders are are like something of nightmare those are like the I, xenomorphs from alien i saw a Face video hunters. of one yeah and it uh, was massive and, and it was i think it was a video that went viral on youtube and it was two it was two i don't know if they're marine, marines or um yeah. whatever they were in their um uh, their tent or what do you mm. call it? Tent? Uh, yeah, yeah, tent, uh, tent, tent yeah, whatever. Yeah. And one of those spiders had gotten in there, and and they, you know, it was hiding in the thing, and it was fucking huge. Just it's like a, a facehugger xenomorph oh from Alien. Gosh. The thing is just like, what? 
is it's like this. a cat, right? I mean, it's like as big as a cat. Probably, uh, is, it is pretty. It's pretty massive. Like, yeah, you look like a twenty-five pound bumper plate. You know, with its legs spread out like that. It's just like what Do they on, bite. Uh, they bite. I mean, they as 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 crazy as they look. I think, and they call they're called camel spiders because they they kill sleeping camels. They they'll bite to them, and then really? I think the the venom. Uh, at least what I was told, the venom yeah. numbs the area instantly, so the camels don't realize they're being like feasted on by these, oh, these camel God, spiders. Oh, God, that's yeah. a terrible way to die. Yeah, so... Uh, Good Lord. Big problem. And I don't like camel spiders. They're, that's just holish. Yeah. Right <laughs> zero <Very>. courtesy. Zero <laughs> courtesy to the camel that yeah. you're feasting on. That's jacked, man. Yeah. yeah, those things are crazy. So did you see any or no? Uh, I did not. I okay, did not. Good. I did good not. for you. No, I did. I, I saw this one. There's a massive, like, spike-tailed lizard that was just on this mass it looked like it was a small dog oh that wow. was uh, hiding under my uh my pack and i thought <laughs> i pick up my pack i'm like okay yeah which one okay uh this, okay who did it who did it and they're like i've nobody he's done that that thing's just, just hanging out just there. hanging out and i, I, I got i picked it up and i just put it somewhere in the desert and i was like this is just the most the, the most surreal place i've never seen anything like this so obviously yeah. so I, I spent four months out there and then uh yeah and we told to pack up and it's time to go home and then we drove back down spent about a couple months in Kuwait, not a couple months uh, a couple days two weeks maybe in kuwait and then we got on a bird and came home to camp Pendleton, california mm. yeah and uh you know my wife then at the time she wasn't uh, she was out of, out of country and so i you know i get off the bus and just me and this other guy look at each other we have no family there and we just sort of look at each other we're like all right you want to go to you want to go to applebee's or something <laughs> like yeah let's go to applebee's so we turn in our weapon and then, you know, we catch a taxi because Uber wasn't around then. We catch a taxi and we didn't have cars. Yeah. Right. Uh, we catch a taxi to, to Applebee's out in town. And how hard it like that, that adjustment. I can't remember. I've had this conversation on this topic before that adjustment of going from, you know, war yeah. and then coming back into this everyday environment that we all take for granted on yeah. the daily as civilians. I think, I mean, I know I do some, I don't yeah. think about this stuff all the time and, um, we're just going about our bit, going to Applebee's. Yeah. I'm gonna go, you know, run to the gym. Got to go to work. Yeah, you know, like it's crazy. It was just, uh, you know, still, still young, and uh, you know, I wanted to. Um, I think I was just relieved that I was back home, and I had things yeah. like hot water, you know, yeah. and hot running water, and not having to take a shower out of a bucket, waiting for like water jugs to warm up throughout the heat of the sun, and then have my bucket bath later that evening as a treat yeah. to myself. Yeah, you know, so uh, just taking advantage and being grateful for that, even even today. Uh, my wife Mabel's like, why are you in the shower so long? I'm like, I will never take advantage of <laughs> hot water ever yeah. again because it's just one of those things where yeah. it's like it feels good. You know, it's like a like a staple of civilization. Totally. Yeah, I, and I, I love like, and I don't mean to sound cliche or cheesy and shit, and I know it does a little bit, but it's it's the truth for me. Like that gratitude, the attitude of gratitude yeah. on the daily. Like, yep. let me just wake up and put my feet on the floor. Yep. Thank God I'm sober. Thank God I have my family. Thank God I woke up today. Yeah. If I start there, bro, like my days are usually pretty damn good. Yep. When I don't start there, I can tell the difference because Absolutely. I get in my own head. I start, you know, you, you start questioning, well, why, why didn't I do this right? Or why didn't I get this? Or why, you know what I mean? You can go yeah. down that path easily, but man, it's just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, Ben Ben Bergeron, he, he owns a gym out in CrossFit new uh called crossfit new england in massachusetts and he put it best like you can't look at your have to's like that your have to's are get to's yeah you know so you, you don't have to come to the gym and work out you don't have to take you know for uh, with you know with your kids you don't you don't have to take a bath yeah you don't have to get you know come to dinner you get to come to dinner yeah you get to take That's a bath good. you get to come here and work out you get to go pick up your kids so reframing 
you know, what your obligations are in life and treating that as being grateful for the opportunity to have that in your life so that you can exercise that and not see it as an inconvenience, I think was really big as far as part of my, you know, maturity growing up and and what that was about. You know, you don't have to do anything. You get to do everything. Absolutely, man. You know, and it's all your choice and what you want to do and how you want to approach it. So, okay. So you, so you brought up CrossFit. Let's transition into that a little bit. So number one, thanks for serving our country, bro. Thank you. You and everyone else out there who's listening. I know we have a lot of veterans who listen to the show and active duty people too. So thank you. Um, How'd you get into CrossFit? 2009, I think that's when you kind of got in and then you started coaching shortly afterwards. Yeah. So Um, I was in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, I was with 7th Marine Regiment uh, as a as a regimental engineer chief. And uh, we had some rudimentary, like we're, we didn't have a gym out there. We had some rudimentary stuff. We had some kettlebells. We had a pull-up bar. I think we had one barbell that was just garbage because of all the sand that got into the bearings. Mm. We had some bumper plates. And I just started doing just these random like workouts, like kettlebell swings and squats yeah. and things like that, not knowing what I was doing. Uh, there was a gentleman uh, that was uh, with 7th Marine Regiment named, uh, he got out, his uh, Captain Erickson, uh, and uh, he had gone to uh, a CrossFit gym in uh, in Southern California. Um, if you give me a second, I'll be able to think about it. But uh, he was like, "What you know? You guys working out? Uh, yeah. What are you doing? Like, I I think it's like CrossFit or something." He's like, "No, let me let me start programming for you." So he started making huh. up doing the workouts, the CrossFit workouts that we know. And when did CrossFit start? Two thousand seven. Seven, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So it's so just, it was still fairly new at yeah, this time. Just exactly. A couple of years. We would look at main the main site. And pick a workout like I I didn't know I'm like what is a clean and jerk that <laughs> yeah. sounds and why am I only doing five sets of one you know like that's not a workout that's not yeah. gains what the hell is this what is this nonsense yeah. and sure enough I'm like I, I see I see the 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 magic behind the uh, the methodology and the yeah. programming and uh, so he he programmed he did the three days on one day off two days on one day off and did that for the next year. And I, I fell in love with it. Yeah. And when I came back, uh, I looked at where my, you know, the first uh, L1 uh, seminar was at, and it was at CrossFit Reston in Northern Virginia. And I went, and I've been doing it ever since shortly thereafter. Because I, I want to do it uh, just to make me understand the methodology a little bit better. I had yeah. no intentions of coaching. I had no idea, like, what that involved. Uh, and then, you know, the owner of CrossFit Trident, uh, Chris Smith, uh, just one day asked me, he's like, when do you want to start coaching for us? Huh. And I was like, I'll, I'll go right now. I mean, like, <laughs> I, like not knowing what it involved, like I'll do it right now. What, yeah. Whatever you say, boss. What do you want? And so I started, yeah. So I started interning, um, uh, the morning, the morning classes. Uh, that's all my schedule allowed me. And, uh, you know, uh, Chad, if you're out there listening, man, uh, everything I do is, is, is pretty much ripped from how you conduct a class. So, uh, <laughs> that's cool. yeah, it's my mentor between Chris and uh, Chris and Andrew, the owners of Trident and then, uh, Karen Angelus and, and Chad Siri, they're, they're the ones that I just like saw how they conducted yeah. and business. And, and it was, I loved it. And, and Chris, uh, Chris and Andrew were headquarters seminar staff members. So they would go around every weekend. Uh, to do these level one seminars. So everything that I learned as far as how to conduct yourself as a coach, you know, on the floor, I learned it straight from the horse's mouth. So I, you know, I attribute my success as a, uh, you know, what little success I've gained as a coach uh, to everything that they they put in me. They believed me, you know, I'd gotten a divorce around that time. So they were like, they still believed in me. They they wanted me to succeed despite everything that I was going through. So, uh, you know, everything, you know, I, I, my, my professional career as a, as a coach, uh, you know, is, is all attributed to to them yeah. and and the people that have benefited from them, benefited from me from coaching. It, it, you could trace that all the way back to yeah. you know, Chris saying, 
when you want to start coaching for us. Huh. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's good. And and just to compliment you, man, you're definitely a, a professional at what you do. Like, the, because you can be any. I shouldn't say anyone can be a coach, but you can be a coach and you can coach and stuff too. But this element of professionalism and then intertwining business into that mm-hmm. also. There's a, and it, I think it, it goes beyond just CrossFit. It's really in anything. There's definitely a balance and some sort of science to it. And mm-hmm. if you don't kind of have every little piece of it, it doesn't work well. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And people pick up on that kind of yeah. stuff. Like when I first, like the first couple of sessions we did, I picked up on it very fast. Like this dude's legit. Like yeah. he's, a, he's a pro at what he does. Like he knows what he's doing. He's very good with the people. You're funny. Like you, you crack some jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's always funny too. I always say, man, that didn't work very well. 5 a.m. this morning. Oh, they were a little yeah. rough, yeah, man. You just keep just, trying it out as you go. But I mean, that's, yeah. that's fun. It's, it's like one, it's like having a one hour set. <laughs> you know, I got to cover some stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Like Let me the workouts, some warm up stuff, but any, anything in between all the filler stuff is all on the coach's personality and how they want to conduct the class and be more personable yeah. and make that hour of the athlete's day the best hour. Yeah. So, but there are some times like at five in the morning, I'll crack a joke and everyone look at me like, shut up <laughs> and just tell us what we need to do. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I got to try something different for the 6am and the 9am. And yep. it's always been like that. Like whatever I say does not work. You know, cracking jokes. Uh, it's keeping different. it live. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely keeping it Adjusting. live. Adjusting. <laughs> yep. It's it's what what is that? You know, like four or five one hour sets where I could develop new material yeah, every single time. I'm like, oh man, you guys are killing me, <laughs> killing oh, me. Cool, yeah, man. but no, it's uh, it's a good time. Uh, started so I started coaching then, and then uh, once I um, moved to Okinawa, Japan, uh, started coaching at uh, two different gyms out there for. Uh, I'm sorry, two different gyms, uh, CrossFit Bagus and CrossFit Habu. Uh, so I started coaching out there. I started coaching at CrossFit Bagus at first for the first year, and uh, we parted ways just to do some managerial differences, uh, yeah. and then went over to CrossFit Habu. Uh, CrossFit Bagus was uh, owned by a bunch of a uh, bunch by, by two local uh, Okinawans. Uh, CrossFit Habu is owned by uh, Jason Day uh, out of Okinawa, Japan. I think he just recently opened up another affiliate on the island called CrossFit Mongoose. Oh, wow. So yeah, Habu is a, a version a, a type of snake found on Okinawa. So, you know, it's CrossFit Habu and then yeah. it's natural enemy is the mongoose. So CrossFit mongoose. Oh. So he's got, a, he's got a really good thing going on over there. I uh, appreciate him giving nice. me the opportunity to coach his floor. That's where I, you know, I met Mabel, my wife now at, uh, at CrossFit Bagus. She was a uh, part of the elements class. So uh, we, that's how we sort of got to know each, know each other. cracking jokes. Uh, yeah, hey, crack- what's up, Mabel? Oh, how you man. doing? <laughs> that was, so talking about me failing a one-hour set or eating dick at a one-hour set. <laughs> Like that, that, Mabel is the definition yeah. of like looking at me like you are not funny. Yeah. Just tell me how to work out. Yeah, like, just leave me alone. Yeah, this I, think guy. I, I think I like this girl. I think I like this girl. She's not taking any That's of my funny. taking any of my shit. You so. have a couple daughters too, right? That's yeah, I have a daughter from yeah. my first marriage. Uh, yeah. Nyla and Natalie. Uh, I want to give a shout out to them. Love them. Miss yeah. them. Hope to talk to you guys soon. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, I started coaching out there. Uh, operationally, um, different different capacity out there. Yeah. Uh, came back from Afghanistan. I was at Eighth and I uh, going back come, when I came back from Afghanistan. I, I was talking to the monitor, who's the guy that tells you where to go, and I was like, "Hey, master, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm kind of burnt out." And I was like, "I spent a year out here. I'm like, I need something different." He's like, yeah. "Well, what do you want?" I'm like, "Give me like base maintenance at <laughs> MCRD San Diego. Back to San Diego. I want to go back to the West yeah. Coast." He's like, "I just gave that one up." I'm like. How about Hawaii? No, that guy's not going to rotate anytime soon. I'm like, well, what do you got? And he's like, how about base maintenance in North Carolina? I'm like, I left North Carolina. I didn't want to, I do not want to go back. And uh, how about like Washington, D.C. at 8th and I? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, okay, I'll go there. And so 8th and I was a ceremonial unit in D.C. uh, while I was out there. So I spent some time on that side of the house, kind of 
helping uh, kind of spread the message that is the Marine Corps. All the you, you see the commercials where the Marines are flipping the rifles next to the Golden yeah. Gate. Okay, so that's it. that's the Silent Drill Platoon, uh, Silent Drill Team, and they're based out of uh, uh, Washington D.C. at Eighth. Oh and wow, yeah, Eighth Street and I Street, Southeast D.C. So. so it's more promotional stuff, spreading the word of the Marine exactly. Corps, what yeah, exactly. what it has to offer, how it can help you yeah. as a person, career, all that e- kind of exactly. Stuff. Carry on like the legacy to the people of Congress, and and kind of like we're still relevant in this in this in this grand scheme of yeah. uh, protecting the United States state. So, uh, left eighth and I, uh, and then got to Okinawa, Japan and did something called uh, civil military operations. So I was like, once again, I t- asked my, asked my monitor, what is that? <laughs> and then I was like, you go to the jungle, you like live out of your sea bag and you shake farmers hands and kiss babies and build wells and stuff. I'm like, Okay, something, cool. something different because yeah. of the the MOS that I had in regards to utilities and construction. That that there's another path to where they kind of employed Marines of that like trade background to help different places, whether it was the uh, whether it was Thailand, the Philippines, um, and where else? I think those are the only two teams that I that I can remember right now. But I was part of the Thailand team, and uh, for the two years I was uh, stationed there, I was uh, with the Thailand team. So I was a team chief for... Uh, Which is where Thailand, where you cut the heart. Well, you didn't cut it out, out right? Out. Should we tell that story or should we wait till later? Oh, I can tell you. I can definitely tell that story. Because you just told me this just for context really quick. I don't even know how the hell this came up, but it was in our, it was our nine o'clock class yesterday. And somehow Noel brought up that he ate the beating heart out of a snake. So let's hear about it. Okay. So uh, every year (laughs) uh, the the military, U.S. military and the Royal Thai government, they do joint exercises uh, called Cobra Gold. Uh, and the first time I went there and part, and part of Cobra Gold was just, you know, working with the Thai military, which like you want to talk about some hard, hard yeah. dudes. Uh, so, uh, you know, part of that's jungle warfare training and unique to Thailand. So we were out there, uh, uh, it was uh, my team and I that we were out there uh, going through this jungle warfare training. Part of it was, you know, jungle survival. And, and when you yeah. catch a snake is surprise, Thailand's got a gangless yeah, Thai snakes. <laughs> everywhere so we were in southeast thailand uh and uh had a a royal thai marine unit there and we're all sitting around and you know i'm I'm a i'm a gunny at this time i'm an e7 the the rank that i retired at and i'm just sitting in the back i'm watching the marines just sort of doing my gunny thing just sitting in the back looking (laughs) at my watch drinking water just just trolling everybody like look at that marine look at his fucked up haircut (laughs) that marine is so out of regs he doesn't even know it he's gonna (laughs) die when he gets back and then I heard, hey, we're about to kill this snake who wants to drink the blood. Oh, shit. And I'm like, here, get out of the way, Marines. <laughs> and uh, so here I am, and, and, and a whole line of Marines, which I didn't, uh, thinking back, realizing how much of a, like, a homoerotic, not saying that's yeah. bad, but how much of a homoerotic <laughs> experience it is, yeah. where, like, you get a whole bunch of Marines on one knee, mouth gaping open, and this, this greasy tie dude just milking this snake blood. Into like into Marines, Good we're Lord. all loving it. We're all like, give me more, give me more. Wow. just like, just oh, just just blood all over my mouth and my chin, and I'm taking pictures of. Look at me, I just drink snake blood. And it wasn't until later that evening, I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> what did I just do? I'm a savage, right? So they so they skin the snake and uh, they pull out the beating heart. It's like, who wants this? I'm like, me. So, you know, like rank has his privileges, right, Marines? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to exercise that right now. I never do, but I'm going to exercise it right now. So he, I, I grabbed the, the heart and, he, and I'm like, so what, I mean, should I just like, chew, do I chew on it? What, like, that's my first instinct, right? You yeah. just chew on it. He's like, no, you got to swallow it whole because then now you're, you know, absorbing the, the spirit of, of I mean, he, he could have been like BSing me, but it sounded good at the time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to swallow it. And, and I got it down. I'm like, 
Yeah, it tastes like a bag of pennies. Wow. It's like a bag of pennies. Yeah, that's and that so, blood taste kind. Yeah, of. I've yep. tasted my own blood before, yeah. and it's just kind of like that. Co- I don't copper it, is what yep. pennies made out of. I don't know. They uh, they killed. They cooked the snake up on an open fire. Uh, there was another marine who was able to, yeah, uh, like what beat, kind of snake was it? You remember? Uh, just some. Just so like it was, a it was, yeah, snake. it wasn't a it wasn't a poisonous snake. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't a poisonous snake. <sighs> uh, and then another marine uh, took the, took the head off a chicken. Like he, yeah, he took this head off. Like, oh, this is the most metal thing I've ever seen. So this marine had the chicken. You put the chicken head in between your first and middle finger, and you oh. sort of whip it down. And if you do it with enough force, the the head just pops right off. Oh wow! All this marine, he didn't know how much force. He didn't want to go like red line hard in the paint for whatever reason. Yeah. So he just sort of like, kind of like flinged it. And this chicken is pissing and shitting everywhere. Oh. And but the neck is broken. It just hasn't hasn't been severed yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. So this Thai dude comes up, takes the chicken out of this marine's hand, like Ozzy Osbourne style. <laughs> Bites it and oh, just rips the thing apart, and then he says something and yells something in Thai, and they got this chicken head, and I'm like, what? What kind of next level? You see me over here? They, I'm just like, I'm like, oh. where are these? Like, uh, what is this? Uh, so uh, it was a pretty interesting experience. Yeah. Uh, they taught us uh, everything in regards to jungle survival. When, uh, I don't say everything, but uh, a good bit of what it takes. I mean, if you want to survive in the jungle, you kind of need to be a savage. Yeah. Because the jungle, guess what? Is well, the savage. jungle is savage. Yeah, exactly. Jungle is savage. Jungle so. savage. So if you're going to survive in it. Now, the other content, the, or the, other, the other thought I'm having right now is, you know, a few weeks ago, I saw you pick a bug up, right? Yeah. There was a bug in yeah, there. Yeah. You're freaking out. A bug. Yeah. And instead of killing the bug, Noah walks over and he, and he scoops it up. And I don't even know what kind of bug it was. Some beetle, beetle or something. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you walk all the way across and you set it down outside and I kind of laugh and I go, bro, I do, I do the same thing. Like my wife gives me shit for it sometimes. Yeah. Like, and I don't know what it, I just, I, like I had, when I hear those t- stories like that, yeah. I get it because yeah. it, that's the savagery yeah. jungle. Like there's totally, there's two different sites with though, but if I don't have to, I don't want to kill anything. Exactly. You know yeah. There's I mean? a, there's a, there's a, there's a spiritual like universal karma out there. And for every negative thing that you do, yeah. you don't have to do. I feel I, my, that's my belief is that, you know, there's, we, we all have this spiritual karma and if yeah. we don't need to like do something or end something, something's life. Yeah. And why? Why? You know, that just you're going to get that back. Well, it's going to reverberate through time. And it's going to come back at you in some form, in some way, just because that's how the universe works. You know, there's a balance between, you know, everything that you do. The universe has done a really good job of keeping balance. Yeah, uh, and, sure. And that's why we're here. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't need to, you know, kill something. Then, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Just, I'm like, yeah. Don't. I, this is the weirdest tasting drink I've ever drank. It tastes like a way. Flintstone vitamin dissolved, yeah, right? That's exactly what right? it tastes like. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't expecting it at all because I'm I'm used to drinking like mm-hmm. the Bang or you know so, something something that didn't taste like this. So I was a little surprised yeah. at the taste, a little different. But so the the beating heart thing though, you just mentioned something about being spiritual. Is that what's the what's the thought behind the eating the beating heart? Is it a respect ki- type of thing to the animal or to the snake or or is it a spiritual thing? The way so is I it talk just to, pure uh, savagery. I, t- I talked to my I talked to my interpreter. Shout out to Indy. Uh, I'm sure she she's uh, subscribed to the podcast in Thailand, but. Uh, I was talking to her, I was like, what was the symbology, you know, symbolism behind uh, the beating of the heart? And I was like, well, it's edible and huh. you killed something. It's only respectful that you try to use as much of it as you can. Yeah. You know, every, everything uh, of it, it, it you know, it, it's, it's providing you with something. It'd be a shame to get rid of it, if, especially if you, you can use it. Yeah. So in that, it's respectful to the animal that you eat everything of the animal. Uh, which is what I found, uh, like, it, it, same thing in Afghanistan. You eat every part of a goat, 
every huh. bit of a goat and you better eat it because when those villagers are out there, they get that goat out there for you. That's probably their food for the next month. Damn. So yeah. if you don't eat that, despite how they prepared it, Ooh. which you don't want to watch involves feet, you know? So it's like, despite how they prepared it, if you don't, you know, take that offering, it's, oh. it speaks more of the type of person you are than it, than it does like your own, like personal tastes or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she was like, no, it, you're, you're like, this animal has, you know, given itself to you, yeah. you know, it, it was found in a, in a place, it, opportunity, you know, ended its life, opportunity ended its life and it, it's there for you yeah. and, and for consumption. So if you don't, it's, it's very disrespectful. In, in, yeah. In if you don't regard. eat it and take, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. And be, and be grateful. Well, that, that, isn't it like the, the animal sacrificed its life so you could eat basically. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's that whole a kind of hunting mentality too, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we have. It just reminded me of something. We I can't remember the name of the place, but there's a there's a. Um, it's so well known. I don't remember the name of it, but I promise it is. There's a there's a really cool uh, recovery center in Thailand that I've um, connected with a couple of times back in the day, and I can't remember the damn name of it now. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, totally different topic. Yeah, no worries, I'll, I'll have to think about it later. Yeah. But um, so. Let me just catch my shit here, man. I took, it's already an hour and 20 minutes gone by. What? Crazy, huh? Yeah, I know. Oh, man. Good stuff, man. Um, well, we were getting into CrossFit a little bit more. I, I know one of the things for me and for Jess, too, is like this is like since we joined the gym, it's really taken um, a lot of stuff. It's really improved a lot of stuff in our life, way beyond just physical and getting in better shape and that kind of stuff. It's improved a lot of things in our relationship, bro, mm -hmm. like our, our attitudes, mm -hmm. um, even like without getting to whatever, like our intimacy and stuff mm -hmm. like, dude, it just, we just feel better. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Exactly. And so I think if, um, and obviously a lot of people in recovery listen to this show, um, for me being in recovery, it's been a really good thing to um as an outlet we talked you talked mm -hmm. about having a, a healthy outlet mm -hmm. earlier earlier in the podcast and so i mean what would you say like is from from a, just a personal perspective from a coach perspective somebody out there who who maybe um is thinking about trying crossfit or they want to just maybe dive into it a little bit like what are just some new new things or new um ideas or thoughts that you would have for somebody new um so i've, I've been coaching for a minute and you, you you tend to kind of run across the same uh archetype of, of individual athletes that that, that want to try it or on the fence and you know some of the in intimidation that, that goes along with it is like i don't know any of these movements yeah and i want to i want to be able to be in shape or i want to learn these movements before i try it well it's kind of like saying, let me learn how to play the guitar before yeah. I take guitar lessons. Yeah. You know, um, it's all, it all comes down to the coaching. I have a very solid coaching bias when it comes to how a gym makes or breaks its, you know, its role in somebody's life. Yeah. You could have the best space. You could have the best equipment. Hell, you could even have the best programming. But if the coaching staff is not 100% on board with your health and wellness and your strength yeah. conditioning and they don't invest themselves into the into the athlete or client or whoever, and uh, then you're doing the you're doing the athlete a disservice. So uh, you know if you're on the fence, just come on in. Yeah, come on in, try it out. Uh, this great thing about CrossFit, it's infinitely scalable, uh, both left and to the right. So if you're yeah. a, you're a seasoned athlete, CrossFitter, athlete, super stud uh, out there, we could always scale the workout to where you get more you know you get more out of it than. Yeah. Uh, somebody who's just trying to lower their triglycerides, somebody yeah. who just wants to like push off the nursing home for a little bit. Uh, you you know, so it, I, I got a funny story for you. What's up? Okay. So the first week we were here, right? Yeah. I'm, t I'm like, I, you know, I was like 
really out of shape at the time, right? I hadn't done much okay. other than play softball and whatever, you know, here and there. Um, so I come in and I, it was the, it was the first couple of workouts. It couldn't have been more than like uh. two or either the second or third one. And it was the night of, um, uh, what is it called when you're testing for like, uh, oh man, what's it called now? I forgot. Um, the games or whatever they do. Oh, they the do open. Like the yeah, open. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the open. So, so yeah. they do those to kind of see where you're at and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were doing that, that the night here. Yeah. And Friday so night, Friday night. Lights. It was like a Friday. Yeah, yeah exactly. Friday night lights, Everyone yeah. was here. I didn't know yeah. any of this, by yeah. the way. Yeah. So my, so my friend, Jen, Jen and Phil will come here. Um, I, I come in and, and then Danny and Mirage are here too. And they're like, Hey, are, are you going to do it? And I'm like, I had no fucking clue what it was. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Oh, what did, what did you do to hurt them? Dude. They coach you to, <laughs> to so you I waited it? till the end. Yeah. <laughs> and Jen's like, Oh yeah, you, you can do it. Yeah. Just jump in and do it. I'm like, okay. So I get in there and it's like this erroneous amount of you know um yep. just work yep. and eight minute time cap it was yeah. it was ridiculous rocky it was uh it was ridiculous and you need you need to take yeah, you're good, you're okay. good, yeah. um yeah it was ridiculous right and so that wasn't the part though here here that i mean that was a, that was part of it but it was the, and this relates to what you were saying it's why i'm bringing it up here it was the fact that like I just jumped in and went for it. They t I know this is a military term from from what I've heard. I think I heard from Jocko say it first or Trip or somebody, but embracing the suck. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I, like, if I don't step out of my comfort zone mm. and dive into something and just fucking go for it, I'm never going to do it. I'm going to stay stuck where mm. I'm at. I'm never going to improve. I'm never going to try new things. And, and I think a lot of us, and I was guilty of it for a long time, you know, did that. And um, just diving in and really, and everybody's watching too yeah and i suck uh, right no, no pressure like, no pressure not at all man i don't even know how to do some of these moves and yeah. uh yeah and and it was it was rough man but i was so glad that i did it afterwards yeah. you know what i mean i was so glad yeah yeah, yeah you know a sword or a knife or a blade can only be a blade as long as it's been tempered yeah you know? oh, that's and, good. It, and it's in that it's in that adversary adversity that we find out who we uh who we truly are yeah and, and, and how we react and I, and I think it's introspective it's a learning process between you know, being faced with this controlled, controlled adversity. This is yeah. what we provide athletes to this gym is this controlled adversity to be able to find that definition, be able to yeah. be tempered and come out on the other side, uh, just a better person. Not maybe, not, totally, not, not, it's not necessarily focused on being a better athlete, yeah. just a better person in general, because we find out so much of what happens when, you know, we don't want to work out yeah. and we're put through these awkward movements and it's hot and, and, when we come out on the other side, smiling, high fiving, injury oh, yeah, totally. free, and just like this is what it's it's about. I could yeah. grind through this. You know, CrossFit Vacaville North has provided this like arena where they provide me this controlled adversity where I don't got to worry about like dying. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> well, literally dying. You know, figuratively maybe, but literally dying. And when you come out tempered on the tempered like steel on the other end, you find that there's improvements with not only your outlook yeah. on life and and how your interactions and the relationships you have with the people that you love like totally you know, time time is very valuable it's very finite it's the only thing that's non-renewable that we got man we were you know? just talking about that like yeah. i can make more money oh, i can yeah. get a new house my house break my car break i can get a new car i can't ever get back time Oh, time yeah. is priceless, yeah. man. And I'm really realizing that, like, with just with family and the, yeah. what what am I spending my time on? You know yeah. what I mean? It's so important. Uh, I have, you know, and and looking back, I, you know, I've made I've made more mistakes than I could ever count, and I've wasted so much time. Yeah, you know, with the people that I love, like 
it's uncanny and how I sit back and, and, and in retrospect think like what could I have done better yeah and even that alone just spending time thinking about something you can't change is a waste of time yeah. just being aware that time is finite and and that you know once that minute is gone it's gone yeah and so you know nobody knows what's going to happen the totally next, tomorrow in the next 15 minutes so if you you know very very stoic principle in that you know live every moment as if as if it's your last you know very cliches but you know momentum mori is 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 right is is right yeah. there, you know. It's like death, you know, death is looming right, right around the corner. Yeah, and you know, it, it's just one of those things where you want to maximize, maximize your minutes. I don't, I don't know. know if you're a Christmas lover, but I love Christmas. Right? <laughs> it's like my favorite, yeah, like yeah. time of born, the year. I was born Christmas, Christmas Eve. I was born Were Christmas you? Oh, nice. Yeah. So you yeah. gotta love Christmas. Yeah, That's your birthday, man. Christmas yeah. Eve. And uh, my sponsor and I though were talking about this about how man like you know how in the christmas season for the most part everyone's very pleasant and nice and yeah. they hold the door for you and yeah. they give you the parking for the most part there's yeah. some assholes, yeah, yeah, of course yeah. but you know that mentality and i go man there's two things and same with vacation if i could live every day and obviously this is a mentality it's not realistic in the sense of it's actually happening but it's perspective if i could live every day like it was christmas or i was on vacation you know that feeling mm -hmm. that's the feeling i feel like i should have and i'm not saying everything's going to be perfect and all yeah. you know everything's great and rainbows and butterflies and everything we're still going to go through things yeah. but like putting that into perspective knowing that man this could be my last day like i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow man would i be satisfied at the end of the day today if if i didn't live and have this perspective and be grateful and have gratitude and appreciative maximize whatever i'm doing that day yeah. um man dude i don't want to i don't want to waste that you know what uh, i'm saying exactly exactly you want to be able to, to make an impact totally. and, and, and foster those and grow those relationships that yeah. you hold close. And yeah, and that's, and that's definitely what it's all about. And, and it's, you're right. It's sometimes it's hard to kind of like realize that and understand that. But I think that's what life is. Yeah. You know, life is going to throw every possible distraction at you. Yep. And part of being a good person is being able to understand like what those moments and those minutes really mean. You know, yeah. like remember like right after nine 11, like how, like, everyone had this sense of camaraderie and togetherness and yeah. like we were one country and then you know we don't have that control diversity for the entire population of the united states yeah. so everything starts to veering off and we find ourselves in a position where you know we're just in a rage culture we're angry about everything yeah. and it's, it's like, a victim mentality yeah Every, everybody's a victim from something and yeah. that stuff's just it's, it's toxic it's toxic it and you know, really all we could do at the end of the day is just try to be a better person and, you know, foster and grow the relationships that we have Yeah, and just not only make ourselves better, but make other people better, if, especially if we have the capacity and the willingness to do it. If we can do that, let's make people better because, oh, yeah. you know, and, and, and reaching out and, and showing people a, a way that's, that's, that's healthy, Yeah, you know, and, and, and we involve the community uh, aspect of it. And, you know, we, you know, success and uh, can be gauged in, in high fives and smiles and, mm. and, and how you feel and not, not necessarily about like reps or how much weight you pulled or, or <laughs> yeah. whatever. That's not being, being, you know, being strong and lifting weight are two totally different things. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's all about, it's all about, you know, doing that and, and understanding that. And, and as a trainer, being able to provide a safe, encouraging environment for athletes to express themselves and how yeah. they move. You know, so if we could provide that and we could have you express, because that's, you know, there's a, there's a Bruce Lee quote, like uh, music, uh, you know, our movement is our, the music of our souls made, made visible. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's, 
yeah, that's that's what I see. You know, that's, yeah. I, people, I see people going here. You know, it's hot. It's a lot of weight. <laughs> it's running. Who wants to yeah. run? You know, so it's like we're providing. You know, we're providing this atmosphere where we're going to throw this at you. Yeah, and well, you're going to be you're going to be all right when you come out on the other side. I trust. Trust me. It's 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 a good atmosphere too because I know there's been quite a few times I have a big issue like my mobility issues, and um, I'm still like like I mentioned earlier on I, I didn't do a lot of weight training right. so a lot of the like more um, uh, I don't know what do you what do you call just more like fitness related stuff um, uh, conditioning stuff. yeah conditioning. a lot okay, of the yeah. conditioning like that stuff is not an issue for me like right. I feel like I'm pretty decent at it and I mean I'm still learning this stuff of course too but a lot of the weightlifting stuff uh -huh. is really tough for me especially uh -huh. with my shoulder stuff uh -huh. there's been a few days where not not lately but definitely in the first couple months where I was like why why am I even doing this like I just yeah. this sucks like I can't do I start getting the can't mentality yeah I can't do this I can't even do that I should just not do it you know what I mean but I never never felt like um, I always felt supported here. Yeah. I still continue to do, which is important no matter what, you know, gym you go to anywhere or church you go to or a recovery yeah. meeting or whatever the hell it is. That community aspect is yeah. huge. Man. Absolutely. You know, when you come in, we understand that every athlete's coming in with a different story. Yeah. And part of, part of being a good coach is knowing that story and being empathetic of that story. I, you know, it, it, especially when we come to the adaptive athletes community, you know, I can't tell, you know, an athlete to put weight overhead if he's, you know, a, a below the elbow amputee. I can't yeah. tell an athlete to go squat below parallel if he's a bilateral below the knee amputee. I can't do yeah. that. So understanding what the capacity, like what the capabilities are of every athlete that comes through and letting them know is like, we could scale any workout, yeah. but we just can't scale your intensity. That's yeah. where we find the adaptation and that's how we get better is applying the intensity, whether it's just doing medicine ball squats versus a, uh, a wall ball. Yeah. You know, if you apply the amount of intensity, you're gonna get the adaptation that your body, you know, deep down really wants and yeah. craves. So. Well, I th one of the big things I, I would hear too when we first started especially was, and this is like that cliche classic line, well, don't don't get hurt. A lot yeah, of people yeah, get hurt. And, yeah. and, and my, people get hurt at CrossFit. People get hurt at doing anything, yeah, right? Yeah. But so I think that that's kind of this, it's one of those things that that people just say, I mm -hmm. think, because yeah. it's part of the kind of the CrossFit thing. Don't mm -hmm. get hurt, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you have people who care and good and good coaching, and you know your limits too, like you're learning what you can push yourself on, when you mm -hmm. need to pull back. Um, you know, you can be safe and still be intense. That's I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely, you know, applying that intensity, and then, uh, and that's where the coach comes in as well, understanding yeah. the capabilities of an athlete and what they can and can't do, and being able to load that athlete correctly. Yeah, uh, that's you know that's where the money is made in, in the coaching. Yeah. aspect we, we want to get you a good workout and it's exercise we yeah. want you to get you a good workout and using the methodology that greg glassman put out and so we could make people healthier and 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 just better overall in their life and we're not concerned with sending people to the games or you know yeah. i mean there's a, there's definitely a population of individuals for that and like we just want you to like do some basketball drills we're not trying to get you to the nba at the all-star game <laughs> you know so uh you know we, we want to be able to do that and it, and it begins with knowing the athlete where their limitations are at what their goals are and being yeah. able to tailor how we conduct business on the floor to that each individual athlete you know so i, I was trying to find the uh the quote of uh kenny powers have you watched eastbound and down before no, dude one of the best shows ever i think mm -hmm. there's three or four seasons mm -hmm. of it but he he has a line in there and you just reminded me when you said exercise 
Um, and it's not going to be funny now because I'm going to try to. <laughs> it. But he said something about man, I ain't trying to be the best at exercising right now because he's he's a pitcher. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's it's good stuff. But yeah. uh, no, I'm with you, man. I think that's um, it's you know it really does ha- that the coaching aspect, the community aspect, knowing yourself, growing, yeah. uh, being able to step out and go, man, I, I don't have to be the best at this right now. I just need to get better a little bit each day. Practice, oh, yeah, exactly. just showing up. My my buddy Phil said, man, the hardest the hardest uh, machine at the gym is the front door. I said, you're damn right man yeah just, just showing up some days you yeah, know that's that's all we ask so. just, just show up and then we'll take care of the rest yeah. we'll provide you an environment where you will once again temper temper yourself yeah and then come out uh better on the yeah. other side you know that's what it's all that's what it's all about yeah it's been fun man we we uh we didn't get to leopards but maybe maybe we'll do it again sometime <laughs> you know leopards. no shortage of leopard stories yeah no I, I saw that so you guys go on uh what's the uh what's the instagram handle for crossfit uh crossfit or, underscore uh vvn crossfit underscore vvn i'll put it in the show notes too but uh, uh you guys posted a picture of the leopard jumping on this dude's yep. back yep. or neck that yep. was just crazy i had to look at it like six times ago is that real it looks pretty damn real so i received uh i, I went through the mobility course uh when it was crossfit mobility with kelly star at trident crossfit uh a while ago uh, and then just re- within the last couple of years, uh, did the Mobility 101 course. So Kelly Starrett owns the gym San Francisco CrossFit uh, here in, in the Bay Area. And uh, his thing is, you know, a leopard doesn't sit and stretch before it gets a meal. You know, mm. it is already is ready to go at any given moment. Yeah. And we should be like that. And in part, and that's where that whole leopard uh, uh, euphemism comes in, because we want to be that supple leopard where we it's like silk over steel springs, <laughs> you know, being able to pounce yeah. and attack. So every time I, you know, when I when I talk about the mobility one on one course that we have every day, uh, you know, I, I always want to let people know this is what we're going to focus on yeah. based off of what the programming that we've had. And it's like if we're focusing on neck, Google leopard attacks man in neck and so it's the supple <laughs> leopard attacking and like yeah i can't believe google has a picture there of a leopard attacking some poor indian man uh and biting his neck did off. you see in the background too there's like three dudes and they're like leaning on a fence watching like it's like a movie or yeah like i was i i was like oh, those dudes are just like watching like it just happens every day I mean, yeah. maybe it does i don't know but i thought that was interesting uh, then then the one i posted yesterday was a, a leopard like pulling some dudes like pant leg where his like butts exposed so that's why we attacked the glutes today because the song oh, like I, I, that was like a leopard attacks butt and then i'm like that's the first picture that pops up i'm like what is going on in india where people have to genuinely worry about yeah. leopard attacks and then take pictures and put them on and the put google it on. yeah i'm like they i mean it sucks for the people in india but it's providing me with a great bit of content to be able to pu- right? push out yeah so i'm like hey people we're gonna work on our uh you know leg mobility and then there's a picture of a leopard biting some dude's <laughs> leg off i'm like or the bison that flipped that was new news too oh, yeah, i saw that pop yeah. up on Nike just or so just too. as a disclaimer once i found out that the nine-year-old girl was okay and then yes. every, that, that was like okay now i could kind of like yeah. use this as a meme as a gift totally where, yeah and everybody yeah, knows that fine. feeling yeah everybody knows yeah. that feeling where they crush it on a monday and for some reason you're not sore on tuesday <laughs> and then out of nowhere like a Bison and rage will come out of nowhere. Your soreness will hit you Wednesday oh, morning man. when you wake up, and you're like, "That's yep. exactly what it was." Yeah. I, ha- I had that just this last week. I was just yeah. super, super sore. But that the mobility stuff has been huge, and yeah. that's the other thing I like is this. You know, like you said earlier on, it's it's not so much the workout; it's the recovery is where you're going to make your gains, where you're going to yep. really, you know, become that full athlete. Yep. I guess in that. Uh, the athlete who could recover the most and the fastest yeah. will always be the athlete that will always be on top. 
I think yeah. I I think I found this this quote real quick. Let's see if this is it. Hopefully YouTube doesn't mess with me for playing it. Something you need to know about Kenny. Uh, you're not the only athlete here at Jeff Davis. I happen to be training for a triathlon right now. So doing a lot of running and uh, cycling, swimming. Well, you know all about that. <laughs> no, actually I don't. I play real sports. Not trying to be the best at exercising. <laughs> one of the best thank oh, you man, kenny powers thank yes. you kenny powers and with the crossfit games right around the corner that that would be uh we could have kenny powers uh oh that'd be awesome <laughs> you, you got to see it eastbound eastbound and down man it's i think it's a hbo originally it was on hbo you know, what i noticed about that actor he plays the same guy in oh, every yeah. movie like yeah. in tropic thunder it's like the same guy it is, in tropic yeah. thunder Dan, yeah. i forgot his name danny something danny mcbride danny mcbride there you go yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and the fit first a uh, fit foot Fit foot way or fist foot way? Fist foot way. Have fist you ever seen way. that one? No, he's no. the karate instructor. Oh, oh my man. goodness. It's hilarious. It's kind of a B independent film, but pretty, pretty damn good. Sometimes those are the best ones. So did we miss anything, man? What do you think? Anything you want to wrap this up with today? Man, I, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been awesome, dude. Um, no, thank you for yeah. having me. Uh, shout out to CrossFit Vacaville North yeah. uh, for providing me this opportunity to like impact people's lives. Uh, shout out to my wife, Mabel. Yeah. Uh, and my two daughters, Nyla and uh, Natalie. You know, I hope to see you guys soon. Uh, and if you have any questions, come on out. We're, uh, you know, just put us in the Google. We're at 377 Vaca Valley Parkway uh, here in Vacaville. Um, yeah, just just hit us up. Come on in. You'll feel welcome. Uh, and then we'll get you sweating, get your good workout in, and uh, crack some jokes. Yeah, good yeah. stuff, man. You got any personal? Do you have a personal Instagram you want to no, throw no, out? No, no, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, Okay, stick yeah, with yeah. And I'll put those links in the show notes, guys. And uh, Noel, thanks again, man. And uh, thanks to uh, CrossFit, Vacaville North. Uh, big love to all our coaches, uh, our, our members here, the community. Uh, thanks for letting us do the podcast in the gym today. Um, and like I like I'd mentioned, man, this is this stuff's been a game changer for uh, for not only Jess and I, but I mean, really our family, um, just being a part of the community and, uh, and and trying to improve ourselves. So I'd encourage you guys out there too, um, if you're not in any type of uh, fitness thing, and especially if you're in recovery, you're trying to do it without that man. Even if it's just walking, just waking up and walking your dog for you know 15, 20 minutes, getting a little meditation session in, um, getting some prayer in there, just taking some time for yourself. It's such a good way to start the day so i really want to encourage everyone else out there uh to do that um uh, check us out at oh yeah go ahead go ahead Noel. yeah uh and if you're if you're an adaptive athlete out there whether you're a vet or not come on in man we we got an excellent staff and we're able to you know get you moving and, and help you give you that tempered uh, i'm sorry give you that uh controlled adversity and get you moving again so yeah. adaptive athletes out there the veteran community or or, or not uh come on out and we'll be able to we'll be able to make something happen and you'll be part of an awesome community here in the uh, Northern California area. Yeah, good stuff, man. Thanks again. Check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram, at RealThatSoberGuy, and at Shane Raymer on Twitter. Uh, thanks to Foundations Recovery Network. Thanks to humans. Robbie, what's up, my homie? Hope you're doing well. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean. So keep my head on straight. I've been
Nobody. But I know it's you doing nobody